Jerry Seinfeld goes to jail, Bill Murray is a zombie, and reevaluating American beauty this week on 30 2010. Welcome to 302010, ladies and gentlemen, the Laser Time Network's look back 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get how that works. We're talking about 1999, 1989, and 2009. Why I rearranged them, we'll never know. <laughs> but, but yes, we go through this very week, this week being September 27th through uh, October 3rd, throughout three different decades. It'll help place where you were, what school you were going to, and I'm going to guess who was breaking up with you, because that's just who you are. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. How you doing? Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I always double tap and wear my seatbelt. Ooh. Ooh. And it's me, Sarah. And, you know, I'd really wish that you'd call me Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just want to get a quick plug of the way. Uh, we are almost primarily... Uh, listener supported at patreon.com slash laser time. I have found October for the next few weeks to be wildly lacking in horror content. Luckily, Laser Time has a third season of the wonderful show in Elm Street Nightmare, which is usually a deep dive into one horror series. We've done Nightmare in Elm Street. We've done Friday the 13th. And this year is Child's Play. Lizzie, Lizzie Cuevas returns as Lizzie Killian, <laughs> keep forgetting that, uh, to talk with me about the life, work, and legacy of uh, Charles Chucky Lee Ray. Well, Killian is much more appropriate for a series Ooh, like really a Halloween yeah. series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, there's that going, so check that out. And we're looking at a really interesting new bonus show for 30 2010 fans, so stay tuned for something along those lines. I swear it'll be interesting. Ah, uh, filled with movie love today and... But I also dove deep into something we're going to talk about, and it breaks my heart. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, just when like you can, oh, I can corroborate, fuck this. Uh, but, oh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. My interest is peaked. But let's get, in, let's get into our first decade, which sequentially, unlike how I read at the top, is starting with 1989, September 27th through the 3rd. And we have a little bit of news, and this always makes me laugh because we did talk. We talked about this on the Child's Play episode. Mm. I always, in my world, movie studios are the biggest, coolest thing you can ever be. So the idea that Seagrams can threaten to buy Universal <laughs> and own Jaws it seems ridiculous. But that's where we were before there were mega conglomerates you'd never heard of. Like, what did Viacom do before it bought up CBS and Paramount? Who are they? Mm. Uh, I don't know, but I do know who Coca Cola is. <laughs> And they, uh, they, well, oh no, they, uh, they are sold from Coca Cola. I always love saying that the first Ghostbusters is a movie made by Coca Cola, technically. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it, because they owned Columbia and TriStar Pictures. They have, this has now been sold to Sony, and Sony has continued the irritating trend of flashing the Sony logo and then the Columbia logo with the Sony pictures at the, like, we know, yeah. you didn't, yeah. Like, this is a real Mark Jacobs by Mark Jacobs moment. Yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes edited by Sony. <laughs> produced by Sony. Directed by Sony. Uh, yeah, we don't need to see your logo that many times, Sony. It's all good. Mm. I, I, have, I am not affirmed in your brand at all when I see a, <laughs> when I see a Ghostbusters film. But yep. no. Oh, but people were pupset. Really? Oh. They were scared because oh, the Jap- Sony the Japanese is panic. a Japanese company, right. so it's oh, Japanic time no. again. 
The Japanese yeah. will eat us alive. Hard rain it's... is going to come true. Or black rain. Black, black rain. rain. Black rain. <laughs> both of them. Trisha Slater's hard rain could come true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it was Newsweek. The cover of it was the Columbia logo, but now she's like a geisha. And it's like, oh, they're going to take away all our Americanness. Oof. That doesn't age well. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky Twitter wasn't around to talk about that. Uh, Jesus. But yes, uh, we welcome our new Sony overlords, and I, I love two companies owning everything. Feels great. We'll address that in the third mm-hmm. segment. Um, and uh, on the the first of October, Denmark enacts civil unions, the first in the world. Yeah, yeah. Is this the polite way that people are getting gay marriage through? Mm-hmm. Civil exactly. Unions. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep, is civil unions, which just means legally on paper, it's like the same as marriage ish. But, you know, we're not calling it marriage, so we're not freaking anybody out. And they're saying, like, they're going to force priests to marry the gays. No. It's just for a legal document, you are, at all intents and purposes, married. Yeah, but that's what we tell Good the, job, Denmark. That's what we tell the squares. It really sure. is the medicinal marijuana before the recreational marijuana. Exactly. We, have to t- we have to say that to the, the Christians folks out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And, and I, so I, lo- I love saying that. we can that. marry turtles. Whenever you're fighting with uh, one of your relatives over politics, make them admit gay marriage had no effect on their lives at home. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how much life. we fought about that? Remember how much you fought that? Mm-hmm. Didn't make it. Turns out it didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. Yeah. Yeah, you got some sweet cakes out of it. A lot, a lot, of, a lot yeah. of extra work for people who work marriages. Mm. Photographers and caterers are fucking happy. Yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and let's get into the movies of 1989 before I start politicking. Black Rain is fucking number one at the box office for two... It is. That is shocking. It is slow, a slow, slow <laughs> week. It really is. And it could, because uh, I have never seen or heard of any of these movies that no. came out in 1989. And ah. let's see if I can okay. garner an interest as we discuss them. Sweetie, starring Genevieve Lemon. That's not a real name. That's, <laughs> that's a drag name if I've ever that's fucking heard one. That's a wonderful name. That's, that's a goddamn drag name, Genevieve Lemon. <laughs> well, that's how they do it in New Zealand. I guess everyone's a drag queen down there. All Good right. for them. Uh, Sweetie is the directorial debut of Ms. Jane Campion, who we talked about oh. last week. A bright star, but she's got a couple movies, and then she's going to make the piano, and everyone's going to pay attention for yeah. a while. She's an interesting filmmaker. Sweetie is actually very good. Um, oh. But it's uh, it can be a hard watch because it's about sort of a, a shy loner type girl. It's just you know it's sort of passive, and uh, it's about her family and her sister who has I don't know what the hell kind of mental illness it is or personality disorder or something. I would love to hear an actual diagnosis from a psychiatrist because it seems so realistic. Like if you've known someone or had someone in your family that was just not there. But mm-hmm. in in a very very specific way, like may, maybe it's narcissism or. But she's just this chaos agent. Her sister just comes Ooh. in and is is just so chaotic and in a way that you start to know, like, oh boy, that's going to set her off. Oh, and then she's going to act out, and then she's going to, and it's just really really well done. That sounds like borderline personality disorder. Mm. Probably, yeah, yeah. That's probably a good a good diagnosis, and that I, things kind of have to always go her way. Right. And if they don't, then she acts out, e- even to a point of harming herself or others. But yeah. not in the eighties in Australia. <laughs> Should you try saying borderline <laughs> personality disorder in Australian accent? Borderline personality disorder. I can't do it. Can't can't yeah. be done. Well, but, there you but go. But it's like. But it's so frustrating because it's the kind of mental illness where she thinks she's fucking fine. Mm-hmm. All the rest of you are out to get her. Hmm. That's frightening. Hmm. Yeah. And it's it's a very good depiction of that. I think it's a quality I look for in a president now. Uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also out this week is... <laughs> 
<laughs> Sarah's laughing like a fucking panelist on the Dick Cavett show. Just her shoulders are shaking. <laughs> <laughs> Making fun of my fucking sit like hack ass political joke. In in country, starring Bruce Willis, Emily Lloyd, Joan Allen, Kevin Anderson, and Judith Ivey. I I I thought I've heard of every Bruce Willis movie. I mean, no. up until his Wal- his reign of Walmart straight to DVD shit. Sure. But uh no. no. So yeah, here's Bruce Willis beginning his very, very smart career where he would do big ass blockbusters, but also do smaller indie films that he would kind of help get made through his clout. But he's not a big movie star yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got Die Hard did very well, but it wasn't like a massive blockbuster. And, and stuff. It's, a, it's a year old. Its legacy has not been built yet. Yeah. Moonlighting just ended. Mm-hmm. And here he is doing kind of a, a smaller movie about like a Vietnam vet who's got PTSD and the family secrets that engenders. So he's showing, like, look, I can act. Look, I can look ugly. I, I'm going to do occasional indie movies. Hmm. And then I'll do a big blockbuster. Then I'll do an indie movie. And that's why he had, like, the world's best career all through the 90s. And to be honest, knowing what I know about his personality now, it seems weird. But he's always kind of done that. Well, it's weird that he's yeah. not doing that more now. He, I, or I, is I, he? And we don't know about it? I, I The last time I can remember it is... Well, <laughs> You know, then he just plays a small role in, like, Moonrise Kingdom or in sure. a Robert Rodriguez movie. But then you hear Sly Stone, like, he was such a dick about appearing in Expendables. Just what an asshole. Yeah. Wanted another million dollars to appear on a blue screen for four minutes. I'm kind of ready for him to have his Birdman moment. <laughs> I'm not sure that it'll happen because mm. he's not short on money yet. Yeah. He's got, the roles keep on coming for him. He's got a ton of movies coming out. But let's hear a little bit of the in-country trailer. She's got to discover the past. Well, can you tell me how he died? Oh, they don't tell you that, Sam. You ain't never gonna understand it. You don't want to. Well, I want to know about it. I got the ride. What the fuck is this about? I want to know about Vietnam or World War II. Yeah, no, Vietnam. It's okay. about uh, Emily Lloyd is this, you know, Southern girl whose father died in Vietnam. Uh, she never knew him, but she does know her uncle Bruce Willis, and he was in Vietnam, too. So she wants mm. to know what the hell was it like over there? What happened? Mm-hmm. How can we heal our family and also a nation? Mm. Huh. And he doesn't want to talk about it because he saw things, man. And yeah. he's really he's just got undiagnosed PTSD. He starts freaking out because there's lightning and stuff and there's flashbacks and he's. He's pretty damaged and he's avoiding it. And he's got the perfect like balding ponytail to play yeah. an ex-Vietnam vet in the For 80s. Real. Mm. Uh, this is sadly not the movie I was thinking it was, uh, Johnny Dangerously. It's Johnny Handsome. Mm. Uh, with, no, this is sad in a different way. Mickey Rourke, Forrest Whitaker, Ellen Barkin, Elizabeth McGovern, Morgan Freeman, and Lance Henriksen. What a cast. Johnny Handsome. Yeah. Nobody believed in Johnny Handsome. I know who you are and I know what you are. Nothing but a cheap crook. Until a miracle changed his life. I will give you a new face and a chance and a new life. Now it's time for Johnny to believe in himself. Why don't you give me a little hint, baby? Help me remember who you are. You got a shot at a better life. You can't just throw that away. Johnny Handsome, rated R. Walter Hill film. What the fuck? Never yep. heard of this. Yep. Uh, it's it's a noir. Very, very noiry noir um, and here's where it's sad, because Mickey Rourke plays a guy whose face is all fucked up, mm-hmm. uh, who's sort of a loner, and uh, but a criminal. And then he gets this amazing reconstructive surgery, and now he looks like Mickey Rourke before his face got fucked up. Before he, he had surgery to give himself permanent duck face. 
Henry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. So he ends up looking like handsome Mickey Rourke before the unpleasantness. And he like tries to rebuild his life, but like the cops are on him and he also wants revenge and stuff. So he's going to go after those assholes that were, you know, setting him up before. Well, but, sounds, uh, sounds violent. Um, I, I could be down with this. I should, I should look more into it because I, I love rediscovering Walter Hill films. Because mm-hmm. The Warriors has always been one of my favorite films, and mm. he's kind of hit or miss, but okay. uh, yeah. his films are always beautifully 80s. Hmm. Um, yeah. Moving into television, oh my goodness, why did I write all this down? Just because I didn't want to get any shit for it. <laughs> September 27th through uh, October 3rd, ladies and gentlemen, we have the five years in the making Thundercats finale. Oh, oh boy. and I, It's all been leading up to this. I copied and pasted Ooh. this because I watched the shit of the show, don't remember Anything of plot value. I don't know any trivia of it other than apparently James Lipton wrote the themes, the beautiful theme song. <laughs> oh. I, I still, I've never heard him talk about it. I want to hear it from his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, I, I thought Lionel was uh, pretty uh, emblematic of the entire America. So I made, I mean, Thundercats are ho, ho. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, in the Thundercats five part finale, Mumra stands up and successfully exerts himself over the ancient spirits of evil. The mystery of the Book of Omens is at last solved, and the tumultuous and terrifying environment of Thundara is at last rendered peaceful and pristine. Hmm. Copied directly from its wow. wiki. This is an so- 80s cartoon that missed me completely. Like, I don't even know what a Thundercat looks like. Thundercat? I don't know do. how I missed you out don't know on Schnarf? this. No. Schnarf? No. It's, it's, it's furry porn, like. Courtesy of Japan, okay. thirty years before we knew we wanted to jerk off to that. Uh, but it, it's I love <laughs> I the I love I the design, I love the theme song, but like you know, every episode is stifled animation and boring as shit. Mm. Uh, but it does have an interesting voice because the voice of Lionel is uh, Carrie Kinney from the state in Reno nine one one. It's her dad, and mm-hmm. he's a professional voiceover guy who, who usually does like commercials. And every every commercial you saw in the state, that's her dad's voice. He I've never seen him as the voice of a lead character, but he's Lionel. So it's 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 like the movie trailer guy doing the voice of a lead character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has one of the best logos of all time. I see it constantly as a patch and a tattoo. Okay. I know our buddy Sherrod has a, tat- a giant Thundercats logo tattoo in his wow, arm. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm just really impressed that they like have a story arc and they're wrapping it up. I mean, normally shows like this, they, they never bother to do that either because they don't know their ending or because they just right. want to be able to repeat in – well, that's ad finitum. That's sort of the cheat about this. That's how if I, oh. I, a light explanation of how these syndicated cartoons work. A lot of them would come over from Japan. They would release one season with forty episodes. Second season, ten episodes. This season was five episodes, and it was a five-part wrap-up to everything they had done. Hmm. So that was the season. But it was just to strengthen a syndication package where you wanted to run a show every day. Uh, it's not cheap, and it's not easy. So I understand why most of those episodes suck and and to make fun of bruce willis a little more i uh, like bruce willis is the host of saturday night live with musical guest uh mtv music award winner neil young um and i looked up some of the episode and i saw a sketch and like this is based on a joke i don't understand oh and it was uh bruce willis and his music a commercial for bruce willis and his music and he's sitting on a Fire escape, singing songs, dooba dee ba da ba da ba da fire insurance and depends diapers. I'm like, what is this making fun of? And I looked it up. Uh-huh. At the same time, Bruce Willis did, I think, the most embarrassing thing I've seen him do. He oh, has been no. made fun of for his music forever. And I'm using this SNL 
moment as a reason to play the clip. This is based on his Seagram's wine cooler commercial where he combined the musical. I remember these. I don't. Combining the musical. So it's him prancing around his porch doing like homoerotic blues poses at all his friends playing like buckets and guitars on a porch talking about how great this wine cooler is. Look here. Cannot bear it. You have you have to see this. This it is, looks like a it's fun weekend on Fire Island. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> it is weirdly one of the gayest things I've ever seen. In my and life. I am here for it. Yeah. Clapping emojis. Yeah, especially that, that like that eighty style body that now only exists in the gay community. I love it. Uh, and uh, also this week oh, on. Yeah. Do we even have to explain what a wine cooler is? I feel like I we almost should. I don't. Th- I don't. It's think an alcohol pop. Hey kids, it's like a white claw, but the drink has a color in it. It's like That's a it. white claw, except for it gives you diabetes. <laughs> and if you were like any of me and my friends, it's the first thing you were able to get drunk off of because you could actually yep. drink a whole thing of it because it tasted good. That's uh, why it exists mm-hmm. for and, children and and, and, and wimpy night. women. It's true. <laughs> uh, on the first of October, we have a TV movie, uh, "Sweet Bird of Youth." Is that this real? Mark Harmon and Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. Liz, yes. Liz Taylor busted directed down a- by Nicholas Rogue. Why? Just trust me on that. Fate joined <laughs> in an alliance of convenience. Coming right up now. My hometown. A journey through yesterday. Did you fall in love with someone else? To a forbidden past. Boss Feely knows you come back to town. Papa, you are so unjust. <laughs> Mind your old damn business. With a desperation to escape it. We have to be careful. This this looks like a parody of Dallas. So when, <laughs> when I was looking at this trailer and I... The Papa, you're so unjust. I was like, what? the hell is this? And then I remembered, oh, this is based on a Tennessee Williams play. Oh, yes. So that explains right. some of that. Yeah, that's how normal Why everyone talk. is sweaty and acting <laughs> up. Yeah. True. But I gotta say, seeing Liz Taylor in this movie completely explains my mom's hairstyle this year. This is... <laughs> That is crazy. Yeah. She's but, in full white diamonds mode that, at this point. Oh, yeah. These Any have second always, out, these have always brought, brought me luck. luck. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I get I that. I never will forget that. Okay. I don't know why. But yeah, it's just, the story of it is that she is a kind of washed up Hollywood actress who feels like she's no longer desirable or, you know, fit for the screen. Mm. And Mark Harmon plays a drifter, and he kind of takes her back to his old hometown where he had a lost love who, you know, I think because he was from the other side of the tracks, they could never be together. Never learned to dance. <laughs> Throws <laughs> right. both hands in the dugout. And yeah, also- no, the, the original, there's a 62 film version with Geraldine Page and Paul Newman that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the weird thing. Okay, so Rip Torn is in this he's also in the 62 version and he was also on broadway doing this each time in different parts wow weird (laughs) that's cool well i did just watch he just goes with sweet bird of youth and i just liz taylor's hair actually bugs me because she's not very broken down and stuff like geraldine page at least like oh you get that she's been drinking she's had some hard times but this she just looks so fucking flawless yeah (laughs) for real i don't why why would she bother Sweet Bird of Youth. I'm sure it's on YouTube in full. Uh, yep. Also out this week, TV movie, A Cry for Help, the Tracy Thurman story. Mm, yes. Starring Nancy McKeon. Yeah. 
This is a TV movie. It's a true story based on the story behind a case called Thurman B. City of Torrington. But basically, this woman who was married to an extremely abusive man, husband, and called him called the police on him multiple, multiple, multiple times. And I know that's redundant to say multiple three mm-hmm. times, but that's how crazy it was. Police never did anything to help her. Sometimes they wouldn't even show up to the house when she called 911 when he she was being actively beaten by him. And then at one point, he finally stabs her multiple times. <sighs> she survives. Um, and he gets sent to prison, finally. But then she also kind of makes legal history by suing the city for not responding to her cries for help, basically, and not doing anything to protect her. And she ended up winning $2.3 million. Whoa. Yeah. And the, her case led to a lot of um, domestic abuse laws in other cities based on her story that require a lot of times police officers to arrest the perpetrator in a domestic violence call, even if the victim is, you know, saying, oh, no, don't worry, please don't arrest this person. They'll still arrest them. Mm. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm depressed. Good job, Joe, from Facts of Life. (laughs) (laughs) It's as good a time as any to talk about the video games. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And yeah, hey, people. Stay tuned to patreon.com slash laser time. We're looking for a better way to cover your video games in 302010 because I wish I had someone else here, specifically Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, uh, of Video Game Apocalypse, out each Friday about your video games to talk about the first ever Prince of Persia. I believe oh. it released in the Apple IIe from Broadhor Band before it was acquired by Ubisoft. And this is an, uh, this game looked amazing just because it was the first game I can remember. Like it's all interactive and in game, but. The character is clearly rotoscope, so you couldn't make out any facial features, but it looked like a human being moving, and that's because mm. the uh, creator, Jordan, oh, I forget his last name, uh, modeled it, had his brother, like, model the movements of a human being. So it's, it's, uh, it looks like silhouettes. Like, it's almost mm. just uh, a silhouettes plus, but it looks great, and the prince has a ton of unique moves. He can uh, roll, dodge, he can uh, lift himself up ledges, and it looks it just looks for a side-scroller. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing in 1989, because I just got Mario last year, and he can look one way and jump. And, and, <laughs> and we know now he's punching blocks, not hitting them with his head. Mm-hmm. No, that would hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the it for the games. Music of 1989. Jesus. Uh, Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You by Millie Vonilli is still number one. Uh, but we do have some new releases from Tracy Chapman. Crossroads um, is mm-hmm. that that's not going to be as big a hit to the other as the other one, right? No, no, we got two follow ups to to huge hits. So yeah, Tracy Chapman's Crossroads mm-hmm. is her her second album, and Runaway Horses Belinda Carlisle's kind of second album after massive hits. They don't do as well, but they're both pretty good. Mm-hmm. Tracy Chapman is even even at her worst, she's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this yeah, it's a solid album. I mean, it's not as good as the self titled album though, which is fucking amazing. And we have Freedom by Neil Young and Cry Like a Rainstorm, How Like the Wind by Linda Ronstadt. And we will take you out of... Huge hit. Yeah? I don't know it at all. (laughs) Oh, I I know this song. This song, yes. I don't know much. I don't know much. (laughs) But I know (laughs) I love you. Yeah, I know this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I do love doing an Aaron Noah impression. It's... It's... (laughs) so happy. Uh, it is fun no matter how you do it and yeah we will close that with Don't Know Much by Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville and when we come back ladies and gentlemen it's time for 1999 it's gonna get weird look at these eyes they've never seen what matters look at these dreams so big and so better 
302010, we look at the past, and frankly, a lot of the stuff in the past was just bad. Bad ideas everywhere. Hey, let's get the cast of Saved by the Bell to promote a new fall TV season by visiting Smurf Village. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Or saying the internet is a fad. Or, oh, the wealth of communication and knowledge on the internet will stop fake news from spreading. I don't like to wallow in the bad news of the past because, you know, things get better. And another podcast that looks at bad takes from the past is Pessimist Archive, where they talk about fears people had in the past about new ideas and inventions. So, did you know that the British resisted the umbrella because it seems so un-British? It's very effete to daintily have this thing over your head so you don't get soaking wet. And I don't know, maybe it's because umbrella's an Italian word and Italian is just too exotic? I don't know. Or, you know, comic books would literally drive young brains insane. Or women riding bicycles was ungodly and inspired by Satan. And that would destroy the fabric of society because bicycle speeds would destroy their wombs. And then we'd have no civilization whatsoever because women be riding bicycles. The host of Pessimist Archive is Jason Pfeiffer, and he looks at these bad takes from the past and more. He's the editor of Entrepreneur Magazine, so you kind of see why have a little bit of an interest in getting people to embrace the new, but new is not always bad. New is usually a bit better, and that's something we've learned from 302010 is that history definitely repeats itself. So the fears that we had about things in the past are often the same fears that we have about new things right now. Bad takes, they're forever. So check out Pessimist Archive on your podcasting machine or wherever fine podcasts are sold. coming in with this what's going on here well i wanted to play lost in you by garth brooks from garth brooks in the life of chris Gaines, but garth brooks's stuff is impossible to find online mm-hmm. his team is amazing yeah. at, at getting rid of it i couldn't even go on like pandora and stuff i wasn't allowed to listen to it so i have the next best thing which is tying it all together childish gambino singing <laughs> lost in you Childish Gambino, of course, being a stage name for Donald Glover, and Chris Gaines being a stage name for Garth Brooks. It all makes sense now! Ooh, I think it's so much more than a stage name, though. I don't know. I think it's him being a coward. It's, oof. Play it's rock, wild. Play in rock a weird music. way it is. We can talk about this more in the TV section, but that the whole story is wild. I, when would we talk about it? Other than... Oh, it's coming up on TV. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, that's Oh, the... that's right. He's on SNL, isn't he? Yes. No, not yeah. this week, not, but yeah. oh. this week, ABC runs a one-hour special. I'll get oh. into it. It's it's like okay. bizarre. Yeah. Oh, so, yes, it's been 20 years since Garth Brooks pretended to be a different person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have new releases. 1999. Welcome to 1999, everyone. September 27th through October 3rd. Some new music releases from Gary Moore. Different beat. We have Amen by Paula Cole. 
American Football self-titled studio debut. The second of four albums, uh, technically called American Football. That makes it easy. Uh, balanced by Swollen Members, T. Uh, Tony Bennett sings Duke Ellington, right? Mm-hmm. Brand New Day by Sting. Da ba deeper, brand new day. It's a family oh, yeah. guy joke. Calculating Infinity by Dillinger Escape Plan. Lovely. Method Man Red Man debut, Blackout. Lovely. Human Clay by Creed. My hometown's mm. personal shame. Uh, Lost and Gone Forever by Guster. Something to Write Home About by The Get Up Kids. Uh, the Time Machine by Alan Parsons. Triple X by ZZ Top. And Temperamental, the final album by Everything But The Girl. Unpretty by TLC is still numero uno. I can't. I, I was expect. I really was expecting to hear "Black Eyed Peas" out of my mouth, and I was. I was surprised it was TLC. <laughs> Wrong segment. Uh, a little bit of news for 99 to bring you into the world of uh, 1999 this week. On the first of October, NASA loses Mars Climate uh, Orbiter due to programmer using wrong system of measurements. Pounds of force versus Newtons. You idiot. Oops. You idiot. Yep. Oops. Newtons yep. is a measure of depth. Uh, that's fathoms. I'm doing the twenty thousand leagues under the CSNL bit. Mm. Shit. Uh, no. I don't know what he did. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's basically like using feet versus meters. Mm. Um, I mean, the, they're both they're both measuring the same thing, but they're at a different standard. And uh, yeah, they were telling the Mars Climate Orbiter to get a little bit lower to go study Mars some more, and they just crashed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> they sent it on a full-on kamikaze mission, just plummeting. Wow. Wow. Oops. Oops. <sighs> Can't imagine how the news covered that. Our t- your tax dollars at work. Uh, 1999 movies. Oh boy, it's going to get crazy here. Um, oh my god, yes. Including drive me crazy. But hang on, Double Jeopardy is still number one at the box office for some reason because housewives see movies too. Mm. The Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland, which is a perfectly fun film. Okay. I re- I like I really I, I shit all over the Barney movie, but like Follow That Bird in the Elmo movie are not bad. Okay. Uh, Follow That Bird okay. especially is great. Uh, New Rose Hotel. Sorry, Christopher Walken, Willem Dafoe, Asia Argento, and uh, Annabella Sciorra. Oh, boy. So <sighs> this doesn't no. hold up very well. This is super 1999 looking. It's an Abel Ferrara joint based on the William Gibson short story. So it's, it, it's you know, sort of like a tech thriller in that it's about uh, Walken and Dafoe are like corporate espionage kind of guys that basically like help smuggle like Work uh, guys who come up with something like super secret for one corporation, they like protect them and smuggle them if they want to like go to a different corporation. And the corporations are trying to kill them. And then they meet up with Asia Argento and they're trying to smuggle people around. And they're like, Tokyo looks very futuristic. And there's a capsule hotel. And <laughs> oh no, it's just, oh my God. It is so 99 though. It like wow. has so many of the 99 things. So it's like if you were making an art house parody of the matrix or something <laughs> okay. on like $8, this is what it would end up looking like. Mm. Like it's okay, but it's dated as fuck. All right. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think I could say that for several, of, like all of these movies, except for one, I don't think hold up at all. Mm. Uh, mm. Up to and including drive me crazy. Uh, starring Melissa Ooh. Joan Hart, Clarissa, and Adrian Grenier. Uh, fuck, I'm forgetting his yeah, entour- entourage. entourage name. Uncle's entourage guy. Aqu- what the fuck is his name? Though? Johnny it, Entourage. Johnny Vinny, Vinny Chase, uh, I believe. Yes. But, I like uh, mine better. Drive Me Crazy starring Clarissa and Vinny Chase. 
Nicole's crush. You just dropped me off here. You heard the man. Just dumped her. I start crying. Promise you'll slap me. Chase's girlfriend. We're headed in different directions. Just left him. Now she's turning her neighbor. How'd you get this number? From a troublemaker. We can save each other. Let's do it. We need to clean you up. Into a heartbreaker. Wow. Perfect night with a dream date. Melissa Joan Hart. Who knows? Maybe more. With PG-13, featuring music by Britney Spears. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Screenplay by Rob Thomas. Featuring Santa. Uh, <laughs> now, Ed, uh, yeah, uh, this is this a reverse? She's all that. I guess Clarissa fixes up the down and dirty Adrian Grenier to get back at a. Yeah, but he can't be a nerd. He has to be a bad boy. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. God damn! I feel like Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian Grenier. <laughs> Grenier is that how we're pronouncing him? Grenier. Yeah. I'm okay. gonna say gre- greener. 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 Are both like. I feel like our second-run teenage stars, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they, mm. they probably were trying to yep. get... You can't get Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, and, and, and like, Anne Hathaway. I guess. At the, 1999, maybe. Mm. I was going to say, no, no, I can't remember the name from the girl. She's all that. Uh, anyway. Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know I saw a glimpse of this, and it was just one of those times, like, I still feel young, and, like, I'm the demographic being targeted, but this mm-hmm. is not for me. Mm. This is not a movie for me. And I don't know if it's... I, I, I remember a couple of ladies I knew, like, it's actually pretty good. And I'll take your word for it. And I'll just... I'll mm-hmm. quote you from now until the end of time when I get a podcast and I mm-hmm. talk about it. It's pretty good. Mm. According to, to Margo and Laisha. Okay, Who Margo. knows? <laughs> also out this week, hey, hey, are you tired of your dad watching Field of Dreams and Rudy on repeat? <laughs> we have a new movie for him. Uh, because... Your, or your grandfather... Because yeah. Hank Azaria, Mary McCormick, Cole Meany, Burt Reynolds, and Russell Crowe are in Mystery Alaska. John, every ex-player turned coach says they prefer coaching to playing. Because they can't play. What do you want this time? I come bearing the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers? In, in Mystery Alaska. To play against our boys. The NHL feels it'll be great publicity. I don't want to hear another word about a hockey game. We talked about this. Oh, forgive me, Your Honor. I'm fat. We're playing these guys? We're selling this as a human interest story. The Mystery Boys. We don't know who they are or what they are. Oh, it's Beth Littleford. Oh, Um, yes. I I love that because this is right when The Daily Show is getting popular. Mm -hmm. And if you noticed, every single cast member will be in a movie for four seconds as a journalist, newscaster, or uh, on-camera news person. Sure. And I, I have not seen this in a while. Mystery Alaska. I know my dad really liked it. Yeah. Well, I I was going to say, do you like Slapshot, but you want it to be more heartwarming with fewer rape jokes? Ooh, it is rated yes. R. I, I, it's rated R. I don't remember that about it at all. Is no. it just the cursing? I think maybe, I guess for cursing, I don't remember anything not PG-13 happening. Maybe there's some nudity. I think there's a little like sexy times, but not like. I mean, there's probably oh. some man butts. Mm. I right? think there might be man butts. I filled yeah. up again. This this show is the sexiest one yet. It truly is. Ugh. Just Let's hurry wait. up and talk about Mina Savari so I can get it to go down. I'm fired. Okay, so you remember a couple weeks ago we had the Emmys and David E. Kelly fucking owned them yeah, for nice. 99 mm-hmm. with Allie McBeal in the practice winning best shows in their respective categories. So... Apparently, he can't just take any time off, so he writes a screenplay called Mystery Alaska, and then it's directed by Jay Roach, who is trying to break out of the Austin Powers mold that he's put himself in, and he does a good job. He's he's actually a pretty decent director with the sportsy, action-y stuff in this. Um, it's weird when Russell Crowe was not a star. Mm-hmm. 
it's weird because he's going to become one this year basically we have the insider coming up in 99 okay, and it's so yeah. weird that these movies are next to each other but i remember is this gladiator already out no, no that's, that's no, 2000. Year. 2000 all right okay i see what you're saying all right because he was like a star forced in our face mm-hmm. and i am yeah virtuosity i remember hbo running <laughs> behind the scenes over and over again and this guy russell crowe you've never seen him before but this hollywood hype machine was all behind russell crowe yeah and yeah. i i this still just atypical as shit for him though yeah it's just yeah. i don't know if he's just doing it for the money he's taking it whatever he said well i get to be starring in this one instead of you know second banana i, I don't know yeah. but um it kind of makes me think like because it's david e kelly it's like picket fences but also with hockey because mm-hmm. I love Picket Fences. That was a really fun show. Lots of nice, quirky characters. Exactly. Ultimately. We had Quirky Small Town, yeah. and like Hank Azaria told us, they are going to play hockey Rangers. against the Rangers. And can these scrappy up and comers do anything? We thought it'd be good PR be to drive into a small town and beat the shit out of your team. What? Like, who's your PR person? <laughs> I hate working yeah. at the Rangers secretly. <laughs> Uh, and not to be confused with Happy Texas. Yeah, Holy I shit. love that, that there's two. Mystery Alaska and yeah, Happy Texas. That these two came out. Sometime. I remember seeing this trailer and I'm like, this looks like the funniest movie that has ever existed. And then I saw yeah, it. Yeah, of, of the two, I'm going to go with Happy Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mystery Alaska is just fine. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's like a C plus kind of movie. It's like, it's not great. It's not bad. Happy Texas at least has, it's got some cult status because it's got a little bit more bite to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think another one of those dark miramax comedies yeah. uh, at this point it's not super dark though really no no just like no. Uh, i think it's wearing an r rating on its sleeve mm. will may bill macy no william h macy there's a real bill macy out there steve's on yep. jeremy northam uh, and happy texas coast is clear let's do it two small time cons on the lamb were running out of options until they came across a very unusual getaway vehicle david Somebody stole our dumpy camper. But no one is looking for a pageant-producing couple in happy Texas. You must be the pageant people. I'm Stephen. I'm the other one. David. David. Now, to hold on to their freedom. Why can't we do the bank now? It's our alibi. Can't rob a bank if we're hosting a beauty pageant, can we? These guys... One, two, three! ...will do just about anything. Go! Okay! Would you like to try to follow what he did? And that's Ileana Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> Doing your best with a southern accent. Am I, am I crazy for liking Steve Zahn? No, it's I like, like Steve no. Zahn. It's like my secret, my no. secret thing. I really like Steve Zahn. I do too. I mm-hmm. really like him. <laughs> no, this was this was sort of a, a mini breakout for him. He yeah. got him a lot more attention as Wayne 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 Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched this last night actually for the first time, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was very cute, and I yeah. and of course like so Jeremy Northen plays the not Steve Zahn bank robber, I'm <laughs> guessing. Um, I was like, the whole time I was like, what do I know this guy from? Mm-hmm. Um, who? Jeremy Northen. Oh. Uh, Emma? Is hmm. he not the guy from, um, he's not the guy from Six Feet Under. That's Jeremy's no. sister. No. My bad. No. <laughs> now I'm just being Funkhauser's sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but where do I know him from? Uh, <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, Steve Zahn, though, he's he like gets really his character gets really into actually planning the pageant mm-hmm. and he starts to like read and sew costumes and learn how teaches himself how to dance, which is a very cute montage scene. But then there's like an unsettling other plot where Jeremy Northen is getting close to the 
bank Mistress? owner. Mm-hmm. The bank marm. The, the <laughs> owner of the bank. <laughs> owner and proprietor of the bank mm-hmm. in this small town. And like they're getting really close and he's <clears throat> like coming over every night for dinner and like giving her foot rubs and stuff. Under And she thinks that he's gay. And so her guard is down. Mm-hmm. She's telling him all these things about her relationship and everything. And he's not. And of course he's falling in love with her. Mm-hmm. I found that whole storyline pretty unsettling, to be honest. It seems it seems like mm. something that was already attached to the screenplay before it was written. Yeah, it just <laughs> must fall in love with small town girl. Now it feels very like I can see in '99, like no one would blink an eye at that, and that's fine. But like now, it feels very unsettling and manipulative. <laughs> yes, it's what every Hallmark movie is yeah. based on. It's not. Yeah, I don't love that storyline, but I do love all the other storylines, including William H Macy. As the sheriff falling in love with Jeremy Norton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And there is a great scene, too, where he takes William H. Macy takes him on a date to a gay country western bar. And they, all, <laughs> they are dancing. They're square dancing together. And William H. Macy is, like, teaching him how to square dance. And that is – I just loved it very much. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's – okay. So now there are two really, really big movies of 1999. One of which is yeah. my favorite movie of the year, if not – one of my favorite movies of the year, if not the decade. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, uh-huh. That would be the one we're talking about now, <sighs> which is not as famous, sadly, but st- like I think holds up real well. Oh, yeah. uh, George Clooney, yep. Mark Wahlberg, Ice Cube, Spike Jones, and Three Kings. You want to see some action? Definitely. The Gulf War is over. Three soldiers want to go home. Let's just stick to the plan. The plan is for the gold. Rich. We can help these people first, and then we'll be on our way. I can't do nothing for you, man. You want six dollars for what? I can't do nothing for you, man. You better, man. George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, Ice Cube, Three Kings. We three kings be stealing, stealing the gold. I think of I Spike Jones' line, Conrad, every time. <laughs> his cutaway to his job, which is just firing a Mac-10 at stuck animals <laughs> on a broken yeah. car. It's one of the greatest cutaways in movie history. But I, I guess the biggest thing is David O. Russell. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, I played a clip of him flirting with disaster. But this is like his big studio film uh, yep. for Warner Brothers. I believe he only butted heads with George Clooney on this because Mark Wahlberg and him would come back and act occasionally. Actually, oh, he butted heads with all kinds of people. Oh, yeah, that's like what he'd do, especially back then. Mm. But uh, this, yeah, is, um, there was all kinds of trouble. The writer is John Ridley, who mm-hmm. that becomes part of it. Like he butted heads uh, over the credits and stuff on uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Many years later, John Ridley is an outspoken man. And he thinks they fucked up. They they didn't fuck up. They fucked with his screenplay. But yeah. this is a movie about. It, I don't know. It might be harder for a younger person to place this out. But I, I, even I don't have a good timeline on it. But this is 1999, talking about the first Gulf War from mm-hmm. 10 years ago, of which I cannot think of a single motion picture Hollywood had made about the Gulf War, mm-hmm. other than like Courage Under Fire. Of- I, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, and, three. Now I can only think of three mm-hmm. movies really about the the Gulf War. Uh, this Courage Under Fire and Jarhead. Well, yes. Oh yeah. Jarhead. Well, it wasn't a war where you could. Up to this day, we don't make movies about this damn thing. You don't make movies about this war because there's no way to portray anybody as heroic, which this movie never at any time tries to do. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's nope. it, it is the biggest condemnation I'd seen from mainstream pop culture about the war that we went in, mm-hmm. fucked up a bunch of shit, and left. And that's exactly what these characters do while questioning why the fuck are we here? Yeah, the mm-hmm. the confusion that they all because it's at the end of the war, mm-hmm. quote unquote, basically when we declared victory yeah and 
everyone's super confused. Pre-George W. Bush. Yeah. Everyone's confused. Even the soldiers don't. The soldier, the fir- the opening I love line. the opening yeah. line is, are we shooting? And yeah. it's like, is Mark Wahlberg talking to the camera? Or the audience? <laughs> yeah. but, or, or his commanding officer? Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's it's in the movie, which features real cadavers. Also an interesting touch. Oh. When the bullets go, in, they show the mm-hmm. bullets go inside things. Mm-hmm. And Mark Wahlberg, uh, his lung gets punctured. That's a real body that you see the bullet oh, go through. It's real cool. neat. It, it, like, the movie is... Low key gorgeous mm-hmm. to look at. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm sure it's not shot anywhere overseas. It looks like a fucking no Arizona. Ari- no, I, yeah. <laughs> but it, but they they make these huge sets to make it look Iraqi, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's some really amazing set pieces. The characters are really funny, and basically at the end of the war, these completely listless soldiers led by George Clooney decide like there's a bunch of gold that Saddam stole and. Who the fuck knows what the government's going to do with it? It's not like they're going to give it back to the people who it was stolen from. And there's not like there's this meticulous accounting going on to even keep track of this. Yeah, because so. the song in the trailer is 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 Public Enemy. It made it. It gives it a different tone because the only other song in the movie is Eddie Murphy's Party All the Time, which is <laughs> which is playing in the vault That's the bank right. is stored, the, the the gold is stored in. And of course, they run across something where they have to consider their morality. Maybe we should do something. For this war, even though we have not been asked to, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. maybe we should do our duty as soldiers in the midst of our little heist. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. I think it's phenomenal. I it's think it's so a, it's a great movie. It's it's funny. Uh, it's it's super poignant in a way no other movie had been mm-hmm. up until this point. Because Diana did mention Jarhead, but that's like that's like in another eight years. Mm-hmm. And, and and I I hadn't even heard the news question the practicality of the first Gulf War. No one really had. And so maybe no. that was just the world I lived in. I mm-hmm. wasn't listening, reading political columnists or anything like that. So I, I thought this movie sort of blew my mind. But then like I don't know. We never mind. We keep talking about. I just watched Apocalypse Now with my dad, and I think this is kind of my generation's Apocalypse Now. I yeah. don't know if a younger person will huh. care that much. Uh, about I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting comparison to Apocalypse Now. This is definitely a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like the first half of it is kind of just action scene after action scene after action scene mm-hmm. with things it, mostly fucking up gradually. Yes. It's, it's them fucking up, not giving a shit about why they're there, who these people are, who's shooting at who people die. They just do not give a fuck. And then gradually like their humanity comes out. And it's in a weird way. It also reminded me of Black Hawk Down mm-hmm. coming later in that it's about us sending soldiers overseas to a place where there are multifactional conflicts and us not being able to do anything where it's like bad guys are shooting at civilians. Can we shoot at them? Yeah. No, no. So, but they're shooting at civilians. Yeah. That's not your job. Stand down. Mm. <laughs> stand, stand around and watch that happen, I guess. Cause it's like, and uh, they finally gradually just really, like, Oh, these people have been through so fucking much. And we're not helping. We're, we're just making things worse. Aren't we? There's a great well, scene. We can get gold out of it. A, well, oh, there's a great, a great manly scene in the movie. One of my favorite manly George Clooney sequences, uh, very manly sequence mm-hmm. that, that they, mm-hmm. they arrive at the place to steal the gold and the guys know they're, the Americans are here to steal, steal the gold and they can't do shit about it, but we can also capture civilians and you can't do shit about that. And George mm-hmm. Clooney just walks up to the guy and the guy kind of pulls a, 
like an automatic weapon at him, and he just grabs the barrel and forces it down yeah. as hard as he can. And I just and, until the guy fires a shot into his own foot. Yep. <laughs> and I, I just I love that fucking sequence. You always imagine yourself doing that to somebody's gun. Yeah. And the only person I know who have done that was the guy who stopped the Waffle House shooter. Burned oh. his hand apparently. Oh. Uh, grabbing yeah. a barrel of a gun like that. Well, <clears throat> I'm reading a book right now all about the year 1999 and how great it was for movies. And so Ooh. there's a whole chapter devoted to this movie, which revealed a lot of really interesting, you know, kind of behind the scenes stuff. One of the things that I loved reading, it was so interesting, is that right around this time, George W. Bush mm-hmm. was contemplating president or, or his run for president. I've got a bit and, of an experience problem. Yeah. And so <laughs> he he's in L.A. for a fundraiser, mm. which is very strange because, but, you know, some Hollywood people come out mm-hmm. and David O. Mm-hmm. Russell is one of the Hollywood guys that's at this fundraiser wow. and he shows up in like shorts and a t-shirt. He's like, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be ir- real irreverent and blah, blah, blah. And so he like listens to George W. Bush's speech. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when the handshake line is happening or whatever happens at the, you know, mingling. Oh, he pulls he his hand up. back and slicks back his hair. <laughs> oh, I, I wish. <laughs> but he comes up to George W. Bush and says, I'm editing a movie right now that's going to question your father's legacy in Iraq. And Bush smiled and said, well, I guess I'm going to have to go back there and finish the job. Good Lord. Good damn. Wow. I bet. I bet. David O. Russell walked up with all the confidence, and that line probably stopped him in his tracks like, fuck. Wow, I really got God on that one. I mean, touche. Yikes, yikes, <laughs> yikes to that. <laughs> and I believe he did say that in a speech like, they tried to kill my daddy. Yep. Saddam <laughs> so tried to kill my daddy. Yeah. Uh, That's just crazy. But yeah, the, also, the book goes into all this infighting that happened with the movie but the one really interesting part is that everyone was super super passionate about making this movie and um george clooney actually campaigned to get this role he was not the first choice for it at all the first Uh of seven movies he would film in in like a middle east desert right yeah for sure (laughs) um he's really into the dry really helps him with his conveying his politics on screen he is Yeah, but he's, he's still the ER guy, right? At yeah, this he's point? still the ER guy, but he got this because David O. Russell saw him in Out of Sight. Wow. Yeah. Hey. So he was like trying to do as much as he could to get in this movie, and he was basically being ignored by David O. Russell until he saw Out of Sight, and then he was like, oh, this guy. All right, this guy could do it. And then they get into fisticuffs while <laughs> f- filming the last scene of the movie. Like, literally, people were pulling them off of each other because that's uh, oh how contentious God. it was. And I think you can see one glimpse of it mm-hmm. in one of my favorite DVD spe- special features ever. Um, it is Spike Jones plays the fourth lead, mm-hmm. Conrad. Mm-hmm. Hilarious, and no one knows that about Spike Jones yet. As of now, he's just this... You, you, you may not even know what his face looks like at this yeah. point. He's just the guy he's who directed the sabotage me- video. Yeah, music videos. And... Mm-hmm. And uh, he films a special feature called uh, – it's called like Ice Cube's Guide to Acting. And it's as silly as you think it is. And he's like – and there's a sequence where he just follows Ice Cube like, no, when I want to act mad, I look like this. <laughs> I want to act upset, I look like this. And then if I want – like it's – it is exactly that, but Spike uh-huh. Jones is directing it. And then he, he comes up to film Ice Cube in a scene with George Clooney. And George Clooney gets fucking pissed. Ah, no. No, camera down. We're not filming this. Like, oh, hold on, Clooney. This is for me. 
Um, it's, wow. it's, it's one of the weirder behind the scenes because I, I, at that point you just weren't used to seeing celebrities explode. There's no TMZ, but like yeah. he, he gets visibly pissed. It's buried somewhere on the DVD, but uh, on the original Snapcase Wonder Brothers DVD. Yeah. But I fucking love this movie. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and, this is my recommend of the week. Yeah. Yes. Don't and, even have to think about that. Mm-hmm. And which brings us to our next movie, which which I. <laughs> Mm. which I loved at the same time for a lot of the same reasons of Three Kings. A lot of the same reasons I loved a lot of the 90s movies, like like 99 movies, like Fight Club and Office Space and mm-hmm. Three Kings, questioning the status quo and the behavior of who we are as an empire uh, mm-hmm. and, and how comfortable we are with the status quo. And at the end of the year, uh, Chris Cooper, Wes Bentley, Mina Savari, Thor Birch, Annette Benning, Kevin Spacey. And let's throw Peter Gallagher in there. And maybe Scott Bakula as the gay neighbor. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah. I forgot about him. Uh, everyone, every one of those people got an Oscar <laughs> for <laughs> American Beauty. Today I blackmailed my boss for almost $60,000 past these barriers. What? My parents are trying to take an active interest in me. I'm so proud of you. You didn't screw up once. Oh my god, it's a psycho next door. I didn't mean to scare you, I'm just curious. Why does he dress like a Bible salesman? Oh, I see. You think you're the only one who's sexually frustrated. Well then, come on, baby, I'm ready. There happens to be a... Want to hear that or to him now? (laughs) You don't know, Mr. Sparty Man. This is for your own good boy. Yes, sir. Don't give up on me, Dad. Sometimes there's so much beauty in the world. I feel like I can't take it. You know, you bring out the absolute worst in me. <gasps> Smile. You're at Mr. Smiley's. You are so busted. Beauty! <laughs> uh, so I, I literally just watched this. Deep side. Should we get the unpleasantness out of the way? Which what, which part? It starts Kevin Spacey lusting after someone underage. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I uh, uh, th- that's what I didn't remember about the movie. To what? be honest, you didn't remember that part? Oh no, I remember that part. I didn't remember. That's a majority of what Kevin Spacey does in this movie. My takeaway was him yes. telling off his boss and like working at a fast food joint and smoking weed. That is a huge, huge C plot. To yeah. his a plot of <laughs> lusting after Mina Savari, and it is yep. it is something we sort of turned a blind eye to in every respect in, in twenty years ago, and that we don't now. And it's not it's not just that it's inappropriate; it is the focal point of the star of the movie. Mm-hmm. It is his main goal. Yep. He wants to look good naked, so he starts working out because he wants to impress his daughter's friend, who he's lusting after. And I spit yep. on my microphone saying that. <laughs> uh, and, and, and but more than like. I don't know. We keep talking about that, how like movies that are culturally important at the time don't hold up this that well. I swear I liked this movie at the time and I mm-hmm. loved it watching on DVD over and over again. It made sense to me in the same way Office Space and Fight Club and Three Kings made sense to me. Like, what do we really are we really, we're not questioning what we're our status quo is and who our government is and our behavior and what we do that much. Mm. And, the, and the worst thing in the world, according to things like Office Space and Fight Club, were for me to be bored in a job I didn't like. Mm-hmm. That's no longer a thing I'm prioritizing. <laughs> Give me a job I'm bored in with benefits for life. Any day of the week, mm-hmm. I am. that is not a primary concern. But it, 
but white people yes. experience ennui in their jobs was chief among our concerns in 1999. It's a very privileged <laughs> yeah. point of view, for sure. We had a booming economy. Right. We had no wars. We had nothing. But that's what happens in a booming We start questioning ourselves a little mm-hmm. more because we didn't have anything mm-hmm. real shit to worry about. We were questioning yep. grander things. And American Beauty is about that. But as I watched it, this is fucking boring. Yeah. It's not as funny as it thinks it is. It's no. it's over two hours. It's it's it, it's not as funny because like the the trailer says, mm-hmm. can a comedy move you? Can a drama make you laugh? Mm-hmm. It is neither funny nor moving. Yeah. at this There's, point, except mm-hmm. except Annette Benning. Yes, I think she's really Agreed. funny. The scene of just yeah. her getting fucked and what she's doing with her legs is fucking hysterical. <laughs> it like she, she has them oh, like you mean fuck me, your majesty. Yes, and they're like they're like behind both bedposts. Like I don't know how she posed herself like that. It looks hysterical. Or yeah. maybe I just haven't got I haven't dished it out good enough yet. <laughs> but she doesn't know what to do with her hands. It's a funny sequence. Yeah. And, and, and Kevin Spacey has funny moments, but I don't care about his character, not just because he's Kevin Spacey. Oh, that, that, that doesn't help mm-hmm. at all. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but, like, yeah, you don't care about the main characters anymore. No. Their problems are stupid. And <laughs> almost all of yep. them. I mean, yeah, except for the neighbor kid. He's got a real problem. His dad's a dick. A Nazi. Mm-hmm. Well, a collector of memorabilia. Collector please. of memorabilia. As okay. He, that's uh-huh. As he scoots his old Disney cartoons underneath the desk. <laughs> Yeah, is that's I, a real problem. I, I do want to like how how did you again this movie written by a gay man by the way Alan Ball yeah yep. Alan yes. Ball which I find bizarre but he, he he I think he said he was trying to write the story of Amy Fisher yes so he was really inspired also read about it in my book that I just yeah. talked about he was really yeah. inspired by the Amy Fisher Joey Buttafuoco story and he had oh. had that kicking around for a while Mm -hmm. he was also at the time i think right working for an advertising Mm -hmm. firm and so was experiencing this ennui that you know he's portraying very well and i think he portrays better and with more nuance later on with six feet under yeah but yeah uh but yeah that's kind of was the inspiration for this Mm -hmm. uh this idea of this like neighborhood not neighborhood lolita but you know being tempted by a younger woman, like what's the real story here? Why does that happen? Um, and and uh, but I, and can, I mean, I, think- I can see organically how this could happen, and I could see that it was happening. Mm-hmm. I saw cer- certain things like this happen around me and to me. Well, and uh, reading it in a more symbolic light, you could be more generous about this movie and kind of maybe posit that Mina Savari represents to a, a symbol of like newness, freshness, yes. something mm-hmm. different, something that, yep. you know, he's You can craving. do that with an older woman who's still younger than your yeah. wife. Surely can. You <laughs> da- absolutely can do that. Youth, the, the yeah. road not taken. Right. He could have done something different. Exactly. Promise. I mean, I think these are seniors in high school, so it's like they're figuring out what they want to do next with their life. Their road hasn't been set yet. And so that's really... Maybe that's what he's lusting after mm-hmm. instead of the actual girl. You and know? I, I, well, I only mentioned that's that it was, it was written way. by a gay man because it, it's written under, I think, incre- increasingly strict societal norms of 19 – like straight, white, upper middle class societal norms of 1999. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. makes 60 grand a year as a magazine editor and he's got other worries. Ugh. Get the fuck out of here, man. You have like yeah. two years left in that job. Uh, <laughs> and I don't you know. can afford that house. 
the fuck are you living? Yeah, a Mercedes SUV? What mm-hmm. the fuck is going? Sorry, I, I hate to look at the, the materialness of, but but it's, it's hard not to look but at. That's kind of, but that's kind of what it's about. Like it you is. said, that it's about the sort of like upper middle class ennui of like I did everything right, I got everything I'm supposed to get. Mm-hmm. Why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? Uh, right. why, that opening line, like my name is Lester, blah blah blah. In a year, I'll be dead. Although I feel dead already, and <laughs> dead yeah. inside already, and it just like. Ugh, God, it feels like a, it feels like a, and it's a pretty and well done film. Mm-hmm. It's 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 yeah. beautifully beautifully done, but it doesn't speak to me at all anymore. And I want to assure you that it very much did. And I'm sh- and I as a young person, as someone who was leaving college, like I look towards movies like this, like what the fuck am I aiming at? Mm-hmm. If this is my target, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And, and I watch this movie quite a bit, and I, I think it maybe spoke to people my dad's age mm-hmm. who were literally Lester's age. Uh, and, and again, I never looked at it through Annette Benning's eyes at the time because, like, I think the movie—I don't think it's very sympathetic to her at all. Actually, watching oh, it now, because no. mm, no. like he's—it's just like she's such a bitch, but like he doesn't do anything. He makes zero effort to right. make his marriage work in any way at all. Yeah, no, I mean, I did not rewatch it for this because I saw it several times, and and I, in my memory, Annette Benning is a much more sympathetic character, and I don't want to revisit it because I don't want to see how she's actually portrayed because. In She's my, very brittle and shrill. I mean, in my memory, I'm thinking go girl. It's a great performance, though. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's like my number one problem with this movie is like I, I have complaints about this movie. And believe me, I am on board with anything that will tell you that suburbia is bad for you. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's yeah. like a thesis statement of my life. And I don't agree with this movie on so many things. Or I think it's just super oversimplistic. And sometimes I think yes. it's pandering. But the acting is across the board fantastic. That is absolutely yeah, true. and it has it has a couple lines that I didn't know I still use all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, you're so in love with her, and you want to have like ten thousand of her babies. <laughs> like I say that to like my guy friends all the time at a bar, and I didn't I, I didn't remember that was Mina Savari talking to Thor Birch mm-hmm. in this film. We have have we even said what it's about? I don't really know how to describe what it's about very accurately. Yeah, I mean plot wise, we've said what the theme is. Well, yeah. But, it, but uh, even even yeah. without descri- saying what the plot or the story is about. It is a really good encapsulation of 1999, whether mm-hmm. the movie holds up. Yeah. Because the reason people talk about it this way, because it would go on to win almost literally every Oscar. Yeah. And yeah. It, did it win Best Picture, Best Actor? Did it win for Screenplay? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if the director won, but the movie did. It's mm-hmm. the best movie of the year. And we talk about that all the time in our Oscar shows. Very rarely do we agree with the best movie of the year, but I did then. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I thought this was the best movie, but it absolutely doesn't hold up. But it is a legitimately decent time capsule of it's the way ninety nine was. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. what what our biggest problems were, and I think we'll see a lot of that over mm-hmm. nineteen ninety nine. I think because again, you, we go back and watch Office Space, and like here's a guy with a boring job for life. Most millennials would bend over backwards with mm-hmm. a secure job for life and <laughs> yes. benefits. Yeah, uh, I think I, like, yeah, I definitely w- might <laughs> when this those tits up. <laughs> Patreon.com slash laser time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, the, the all the problems of the, this in this movie are moot problems now. They're mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. except for maybe the Chris Cooper character, which I never really understood. Mm-hmm. Chris Cooper, mm-hmm. fucking great. I, did he win an Oscar too is for supporting? This, he did not for this. Okay, this is the first time Eventually I saw will. him. Like I, I think he won the next year for supporting. Yeah, and right. he plays the father of Wes Bentley, the neighbor to Thora Birch, and they end up having a little relationship. And he wheels weed, and he's obsessed with AV stuff, but his dad's kind of a dick. Uh, very. He's I, in the opening shot. I didn't know it at the time. He's watching a Ronald Reagan movie, which like you really have to be a Republican to dig into Ronald Reagan's over because it's like it's garbage. Like that guy's movie sucks, except for Bedtime for Bonzo. 
movie about a monkey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. But and then he thinks almost the whole time that his son is gay. Mm-hmm. And then conf- and notices his son is spending a lot of time around Kevin Spacey's Lester and assumes it's because they're having a lurid affair mm-hmm. instead of Wes Bentley being the weed dealer to Kevin Spacey's Lester. And then he confronts him in the garage and then he kisses Kevin Spacey in the rain. He says, no, no. And then the end of the movie comes back and shoots Kevin Spacey. So I I never interpreted that like that was Chris Cooper coming out, secretly closeted gay. You didn't? No. No. No, what the I, fuck did you think it was? I thought what it was. A, I thought it was a last ditch effort to understand what his son was, who his son was, and huh. and and interesting. And okay. he had he had very little interest in it, and tried it, and like the guy shrugged me off. So what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Uh, no one, no one can know about this. I don't know. That's just that's how I read it at the time. Do you think he was always in that There's, interpretation? Was he always planning on killing Kevin Spacey? Then uh, I think so, sort of, hmm. because with because hmm. there is no inclination at all that he is closeted throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie other than be- we have plenty of nazis who aren't gay like that oh, <laughs> do you ever see him talk to his wife allison janney who's barely in this movie yeah. oh, like right. yes do they have any sort of relationship she literally just sits quietly waiting to be activated with with, yes. with a like a like an almost clinical amount of distance from her husband in every shot well, Again, she, the story yeah. is she's like heavily medicated right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, I didn't read. I swear, I still didn't read it during this viewing as, as he has any closeted tendencies. It's just that he's so set in his ways yeah. and has made no effort to understand anything about his son throughout the entire film other than hold him to the standard that's outdated and impossible. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, and again, I could be wrong about that because I think, I think Alan Ball said specifically that he was Chris Cooper's character was gay. Uh, uh, and it, yeah. but, but that's not never how I, I interpret it, which I thought was a more nuanced take on the idea that, you know, again, I know plenty of. We all can point fingers at plenty of Nazi homophobes, and I doubt they're closeted. They're just shitty. Like it's it is a way yeah, of life some for some them, people. But some of them, yeah, it's an ex, it's an expression of their self hatred. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so they're just projecting it outwards. Yeah, I you see. I I feel just so on the fence about this because I think it's well made. I think it's well acted, mm-hmm. and it's got like sixty percent great shit in it. Mm-hmm. And then even at the time, though didn't really do it for me and i think part of it's because i liked happiness so much oh man and happiness oh, is man. so much more brutal yeah. when it comes to yeah. uh suburban ennui yeah. and the fucked up things going on in those families i'm champagne and your shit <laughs> just, it's just so like this is this this is the nice version and even this is like pretty rough but i in in a way i feel like i do want to recommend it just because well, you can yeah. debate this stuff like we were just been debating about you know people's motivations and what the characters are saying and also yeah like in 99 they were calling it the end of history mm-hmm. we, were, we had one superpower we mm-hmm. had no no enemies out there <laughs> that we knew of and this was just going to be it prosperity forever yeah the matrix and called it the high point of humanity like in 1999 yeah yeah and, and yeah yeah I, because and and these are all the issues that everyone is bringing up in this movie are all issues that should be addressed, totally. but they're all not end of the world issues and, and they're, they're treated like it. And they're all secondary right. issues compared to the shit where we know now and are facing. We know it's coming. 
Well, not when no, it's yeah. company. We know more about so many different people, and maybe the the idea oh, yeah. of you being bored doesn't supersede the idea of someone being poor, like kept poor forever. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but at the same time, like if it, it doesn't really help, like if I'm I'm sad because my car broke down, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. You don't say like, well, you have no right to be sad because like you have all four limbs. No. Some people are blind. Right. That's not what well, I'm. That say- doesn't make me feel any fucking better. That's right. not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you make a movie about that, it probably shouldn't be best picture of the year. I feel like uh, no, no good comes from that sort of oppression Olympics sort of. No, no, it's not an issue. But oppression Olympics perspective is always a good thing, and this movie it's winning all these Oscars because it thinks it's the most important expression, one of the most important expressions of our lives because it's Mm -hmm. just a a take of it's a slice of life in America. Sure, and it doesn't feel like that anymore. I don't feel like any of these are problems worth Mm. caring about. Well, I mean, no, if I you, disagree. If they're, on they're a, always I'm, I'm talking about there. on a massive audience scale, when you want to get a ton of people into a theater, yeah. I don't think I don't think people would go see a movie like this and feel for it in the same way white people did in 1999. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, mm. look at how Revolutionary Road did. Not well. Yeah, no, no. no I, I, <laughs> I mean, that's it's seemingly a bizarre because cho- a bizarre choice for uh, I don't know because the movie is funnier than it should be because it's mm. it's. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it has a. It has a funny tone, even okay. when it doesn't nail the jokes. Okay. It's. It is keeping things lighthearted. But I would call it a ride tone. <laughs> a, a ride tone. <laughs> hmm. But it. it and I, I think that's one of the things that does make it special because mm-hmm. it is saying the same things as happiness, but it's not like forcing your face in the fucking macabre nature of uh, underneath suburbia. Mm-hmm. It's sort of laughing yeah. at itself the whole mm-hmm. time, and and that's more refreshing than happiness. Even though I agree with Diana, I much prefer. Most things by Todd Sullins because I'd rather have my face forced in the dog shit that I eat every day. <laughs> mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> but American Beauty, it's it's one of those watching it now. Watching it now, it, it was one of those best best picture things. I was super behind, and I'm I'm definitely not there. I don't want to be on the dog pile train that I've seen right. happening as we approach the anniversary because it's the opposite of a bad movie. It's just not as important yeah. as I remember. And it's and, and as yeah. such, it's 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 message is boring in I, a lot of parts. I think it's okay to acknowledge that it's just it's importantness. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a timeless message. No, and that, a lot no. of movies aren't do not have timeless. And that's, and that's messages, why I recommend that's okay. it. Okay, <laughs> if you, if you have seen every movie that's out on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prizzle and Crackle, uh, can't forget Crackle. Their never, sponsor. never forget. Uh, then <laughs> then yeah, and you want to see what 1999 was like and what most of us were thinking. It's a really, I swear, it's a really good look at this era. Mm-hmm. But that's if you're curious. It's not the most. It's it, it just doesn't belong in that pantheon of like movies you must see because mm-hmm. it doesn't stand yeah. alone on like that at all. It uh, it's just very strange. It was yeah. a, it was a very strange notion to me because the less I cared about these people, the more boring the movie became. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it feels like two hours have gone by. It's been one, and there's over an hour left. Yeah, and and he's staring at a shopping bag, which is the most beautiful thing in the <laughs> oh, world. Oh yeah, which is a perfectly fine thing for a 17 year old aspiring right. th- aspiring filmmaker to think. And that was based on a real thing mm-hmm. that Alan Ball experienced mm-hmm. and wanted to put it into the screenplay. And it was very it's very cute because after so many years when he gets asked about that scene and people are like oh you know that was pretty hokey right he's still pretty earnest about it he's like I guess but I mean when you're 17 <laughs> or you're a young person and you want to be a filmmaker like I, and, you feel those feelings all, me and all my, it's okay all my friends did your ex-boyfriend so for about 10 years after this movie every time we're walking in the street and the wind is carrying something I like throw my arms guys that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and <laughs> 
It could be anything. Hilarious. <laughs> and it was a joke people got for like right, 10 years. Right. Fucking weird. Uh, but I, I swear, I probably watched this movie like 20 times. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. it just, it has been over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it was, an, it was a very interesting. I wish it was a more interesting rewatch. I, I, again, I don't want to call it the shittiest movie to ever get an Oscar because no. Green Book beats no. the fuck out of it. Like uh, Crash. Yeah, Crash. Uh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, tons of stuff. I'll does. take this yeah. over either one of those any fucking day of the week. Yeah. I don't want to be super mean to the movie, but but yeah, it feels a little a little more stale mm-hmm. uh, than yeah. I than I thought it was going to be going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I feared and for the if worse. If you find yourself caught in this sort of ennui. What you should do is use the resources that you have to do something about it. Get a hobby. Of, oh, yeah, volunteer. Get a hobby. Don't mope. Volunteer. Volunteer. The best way mm-hmm. to make yourself come out of a depression mm-hmm. or, you know, a feel of ennui or malaise. Mm-hmm. How many more words can I say? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, is to or volunteer your time to, for something. To get out of an uptown funk. <laughs> 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 I never want to be out of that. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah, is to volunteer your time to someone who needs resources, needs your time. Yeah, yeah. the answer is not to yell at your wife. Agree. <laughs> it's okay to not want to fuck each other. You just have to figure out reasons how, or do it elsewhere. Also, Maybe don't your... have sex with a someone who's not an adult. He didn't. Yeah, it's close. best to just not even he got close. go there. I think rubbing boobies would still land you in jail. But uh, yeah, yeah. But that that was that was interesting because I wouldn't call Mina Savari an unknown because like American Pie was really big for young people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, again, mm-hmm. this is a crossover hit. Like like teenagers like this movie and my parents like this movie. But uh, everyone who was in this movie basically became a star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor Birch got to star and stuff. Uh, Wes Bentley, the Four Feathers remake. Diana knows. Also, and Hunger Games. Yep. Hunger with Games. A crazy yeah. beard. Yeah, I yeah. had not seen him in yeah. like ten years same until year. Hunger Games. I was like, oh, that guy. And yeah, <laughs> and, he, and good on him because he looked exactly the fucking same. Exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> he looked good just Howard. like a seventeen-year-old. Good on you, Wes Bentley. Yeah, whatever he's doing, hell yeah. And I have not seen Thor Birch in like fifteen years. But no, she's counting had money a somewhere. weird career. I believe her parents uh, helped kind of ruin it by making things very difficult. I think her parents were both porn stars, by the way. No what? Shit. Yeah. I did not it's, know that. It's a weird story. See, I'd rather either. see that movie than American Beauty. I, I think I think you run, into, <laughs> you, you run into that danger when you're trying to, to do a slice of life movie mm-hmm. that most you wouldn't most we wouldn't get a movie about this today you'd have to have a more interesting family Mm -hmm. and there's nothing particularly interesting about this family at all well and this story has been told a bunch Mm -hmm. and that it is also like interesting to contemplate like when how things can sometimes feel very deep and Mm -hmm. then looking back on it it's the garden state effect Mm -hmm. looking back on it it's like (laughs) this is not that deep at all actually it's just weird how sometimes things like that change over time convey by my loudness that it's okay for Garden Staters, because that movie wasn't a movie that like appealed. I, I didn't hate it. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't see why this is so popular. Like it, it, mm. it, it's just like, but it's perfectly okay. I love the idea that every generation can get a movie that makes them feel like that. It was right. perfectly okay for me to feel that way to American Beauty because I didn't know what yes. Kevin Spacey did. Which, by the way, <laughs> I can watch Baby Driver and Usual Suspects any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Doesn't bother me having Kevin Spacey in it. This is weird. And well, this will, yeah. this, this will bother most people. It, 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 I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of another example. Like maybe when we were talking about Ransom and I'm watching Mel Gibson slap women around, like this means something different now that I know he, mm. he gets that mad and drunk. Yeah. Um, 
I, there's there's better examples of stuff like that, yeah. but like the yeah, the I, Woody Allen movies. There you go. There you go. There you go. Like mm. uh, once you realize, like, oh, you you were living this screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it, it is crazy uncomfortable, and you don't want to look at Kevin Spacey's Lester as a hero. That did happen a couple times, just because I realized it's been a long time since I've seen him mm. uh, as a lead in anything. Mm-hmm. So, and I, don't, I guess we never will again. Nope. No, I would prefer I not to. So. I know, but he's got he's got good moments in this. He does. He was he was a really good actor. No, I don't think there's any yeah. denying that he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah. and I don't necessarily not want a great him back. person. But that's anything else in American Beauty. I, I mean, like I, I think I said. Li- I think we've all said literally everything you uh, could possibly say about yeah. <laughs> about uh, American Beauty. Um, I I would love to hear from people that maybe haven't seen this movie before, especially that are younger. Uh-huh. You know, if you're like 20 now. How does this make you feel? Or is it just like, oh, my God, hashtag white people problems? Yeah. 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 Let us know. Especially younger people who may have been forced to watch it and like maybe what they felt at the time. I don't know. No, more more from a lens now. That's what I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, and yeah, I'll never be a young person, so I won't pretend to be. But like uh, I can do both. I can condemn this movie and understand where its heart was. And yeah, totally. It, yeah. <clears throat> Moving on to a bunch of shittier stuff, but funnier clips. Talking about bored white people uh, <laughs> who get up to no good. <laughs> oh, this is what. Oh my god! I thought I just saw this in the music section. This, sorry. Yeah. So TV two thousand nineteen ninety nine, uh, September twenty seventh through October third. This is what you were talking about. Yeah. Oh so my on god. the 29th, I think it's on ABC. They air Garth Brooks. Dot dot dot. The life of Chris Gaines. Mm-hmm. It is an hour long special. That was originally supposed to be an actual movie called The Lamb, mm. which is starring Chris Gaines, played by Garth Brooks, mm-hmm. and is like the story of he's this humongous pop star, but then he disappears, and then there's a super fan who's trying to figure out who murdered him. So that is the story of this unfinished motion picture that was supposed to occur. And then, but, but it also it is, just, it, it's important to reiterate. Garth Brooks, when I first started buying CDs, was on the charts for those first five years. Oh yeah, with multiple yeah. albums. He's at the He's, peak of his powers. Is, yeah, absolutely one of the biggest entertainers in the world at this point. Mm-hmm. Just that he hasn't made anything in like in like fifteen years. So like right. people don't. There's a chance our younger listeners don't know. Garth Brooks was about was as big as a musician can be. I'm talking Taylor Swift level. Yes. Popularity. Absolutely. If, and, and more when it, when it meant something to sell a bunch of albums. Right. Uh, oof, yeah. yeah. And so and he decided. So he wanted. Was the movie the plan first, or was the album the plan first? The, as far as I could tell, the movie was the plan first, and then they produced okay. an album, which they refer to as a. It's very confusing because they call it a pre soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Track because (laughs) it came out before the movie came out, Mm -hmm. but it was Chris Gaines' greatest hits. So it is a greatest Uh hits album from someone we've never heard of who is a pretend person with bangs. But not unlike wrestling, I get to use the term kayfabe. Everybody knew what the 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 jig was up from the beginning. Yeah, yes, but nobody admitted it. He wasn't pretending. Garth, yes, he was. There was there was they kept these people separate. Yeah, yeah, like they didn't they didn't. He did not. Are you Chris Gaines? But no one really asked that because it was all pretty much understood. Mm -hmm. And Uh, so I tried so hard to find actual clips from this one hour special, but again. Garth Brooks's people are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find what looks like a fan-made, uh, like, oh, no. basically <laughs> clipped together clips of uh, the behind the music of, 
of Chris Gaines, Holy which shit, also is a thing happen. that happened. Wow. He was so powerful. <laughs> and there's parts of this where Garth Brooks is talking about Chris Gaines like he's a separate person from yes. him. It's almost like he had a psychotic break. Like it's well, I, like, kind of worrying. I've sometimes. always I've always been of two mi- two minds about get it. it. Well, because yeah. like if you were kids and sitting around like this, doesn't it seem like a funny idea you would talk about? Like if you I'm going to be a famous rock star, I'm and then, just I'm, gonna and then, comb my and then I'm going to pretend to be a country musician. And if anybody asks me if I'm that guy, I'm going to say no. And uh, yeah, wouldn't that the be whole, hilarious? The whole point, all of this exists because Garth Brooks wanted to do not a country album. He's right. just like, let, let me try out some more pop and rock type stuff. But that's So just put out a pop and rock type album. That's the fucked up thing that I wish I could have sat Garth Brooks in and put my hands on his checkered shoulders <laughs> and said, Garth, your music is so popular yeah. because your music is a little more rock than country. Mm-hmm. You're already making right. rock music. Your Chris Gaines music isn't rock enough. To be rock, it's, mm-hmm. it sucks because you you you're dressed like a fan of the Cure and you play like <laughs> like sub Kenny Loggins music. Like this is not this is not yeah. good. I mean, it charted. I think the and the album I think only sold like two million copies, mm-hmm. and so because only. of that poor performance, only two million right, copies. They, I guess that's why they didn't go forward with the motion picture. But anyways, I pulled, so I pulled a little clip from YouTube where he's trying to explain what's going on here with Chris Gaines and why he's doing this. And I don't know, just, it seems, it's kind of nonsensical to me. Probably the most asked question that I get about Chris Gaines is, what's it like to play two different people? And, and the answer is, first, let's get one thing straight. I'm not playing two different play- people. I'm playing one. Uh, the Garth Brooks thing is just who I am. The Chris Gaines thing, though, the closer you look and the more you find out, you realize Chris Gaines is Garth Brooks. So all it is is a stretching of the arms. And all it is is taking Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines and putting them together the same way we took a song from the 60s and the 90s and put them together to create a new song for the millennium. It's probably the crossroads where Garth and Chris meet dead on and probably the most they're alike. And a song called Right Now. Oh, what the? Uh... Oh, and I forgot that real, you want to know, here's, here's some realness. You want some realness? Hit yeah. you with some realness. Garth Brooks mm-hmm. is bald and wore a hat <laughs> all the time. He wanted to wear a wig so bad on stage <laughs> while he was playing acoustic guitar being backed by 9,000 other guitarists. I have no idea how country music works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wanted to wear a wig. He, not, he wanted to not wear a hat so bad he mm-hmm. had to become a different person so he could put on a wig. <laughs> that is another one of my theories. But he came up with a whole backstory. for. I mean, yeah. the, we paused this YouTube video, but like it's paused on a did you know about Chris Gaines. Yeah. That is a fake He was the story. former coach of the U.S. and Olympic his swim team. His father was. Gene Gaines. <laughs> Gene Gaines. Was the former coach of the U.S. and Olympic swim teams. His mother, Carolyn Johns Gaines, oh, hyphenated, very forward thinking, was a member yep. of the Australian Olympic team. I mean, this is rightfully what it, the it, fuck? in the history books as like music's new Coke. But I, you know, I've worked on entertainment <laughs> projects. I have to imagine this was really fun to work on because oh, you were, uh, you're, yeah. you know, you're not really fooling anybody. But we're going to stick to this the same way the Undertaker is a dead man. I He's been dead for thirty years. <laughs> I feel like this. A lot of this was probably fueled by maybe cocaine, maybe not by Garth Brooks, <laughs> mm-hmm. but maybe people on his team who were staying up all night coming up with this backstory. 
I don't know. It seems wild. He he did he did he is a musician of that caliber. Where I can imagine he has a he has a fleet of people whose jobs depend on him continuing to do stuff. Yeah. Who can't say mm-hmm. no to what he wants. Yeah. But I also. I, I still see it as being something everyone was having a little bit of fun with. And, yeah. and every time, because there, there is, if we didn't say that, because it doesn't, I don't remember it happening much anymore. Anytime a musician or band deviates from what they do, they get shit on. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, here it's, it's Bob Dylan's electric album. Got, got crucified over it. True. Uh, like just, over, just changing the, the stroke of his instrument. So like, I get it. Like the dude wants to play something else. Maybe don't put under Garth Brooks' brand because you're just going to get a bunch of shit from Garth Brooks fans. Uh, yeah. He's that big. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Taylor Swift could do any style of music she wanted to, though. Well, I and remember. And her fans would be yeah. okay, okay, like understanding even if they didn't love it. I think 1989, her album was like the first album that she actually had classified as a pop album instead right. of country. Right. And that was like a big deal for a lot of people that she had – Fully crossed over now genres, and yeah, like, I don't know if that was always her game plan. Try and imagine like Beyonce like dipping into it. I can't imagine anybody having a problem with no. it. No, maybe if Jay Z no. started playing country, that would be an issue. Mm, <laughs> I don't know. Nobody liked Ice uh, Ice T's body count except for me and Sam. Mm. <laughs> Well, I think there's also an element of this, too, with Garth Brooks wanting to get involved with acting, Mm -hmm. because apparently Mm -hmm. he had been offered the lead role of Twister, is a thing I read, and also was offered a part in... Saving Private Ryan and turned down both of them. What? This is, these are, yeah, which every time I've seen an an interview with Garth Brooks, he does give off a kind of an actory vibe. He He wants to entertain people. He was excellent on SNL when he was the host with musical guest Chris Gaines. Right. (laughs) He's good. We'll talk about this later on. Performer. He said no to Saving Private Ryan. Garth Brooks, if you're imagining your Republican audience is like a hard-on that's like a thermometer shaded in, you being in Saving Private Ryan would put it over the top. That'd just be exploding. He, yeah. <laughs> I just think this is a very fun what piece of pop culture ephemera, oh, basically. Okay. And who knows what was... I think there were a lot of things that were fueling this fire. But, but, but so is the next thing. It's in, yes. And it's not, as, it's not as well remembered, even though I never hear anyone talk about fucking Chris Gaines. Fucking Hollywood Squares. Is this Gilbert Godfrey? Yes. You, oh, yes. What, what are we talking about here? So uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is why YouTube exists. Yeah. Because it could capture something that's like if you happen to see it at the time it was amazing, and some it was sort of like got passed around as a clip until finally the internet could share it with the world. There is just a run of bad answers on Hollywood Squares. And it becomes such a horrible running gag. They keep going to Gilbert Gottfried for the win. They're, they're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Always going to Gilbert Gottfried. Always getting the wrong answer. And then he screams, you fool! At them. <laughs> well, yeah, because then... And then everyone else starts joining in. Mm-hmm. The concept of Hollywood Squares is that... Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, Tom Bergeron yeah. is the host uh, for this iteration. Mm-hmm. And you, there are celebrities in all these boxes. That's a giant tic-tac-toe board. Mm-hmm. And... Tom Bergeron asks a trivia type question and then the celebrity answers it and you have to say whether as the contestant you say that's true or that's false either they made up a fun answer or they're they actually know the answer and they're telling the truth and then you get the point if you guessed right and so this is for the win the last x that these people (laughs) need you're you're still playing tic-tac-toe at the end of the day right and so they're going back and forth and they keep getting it wrong yeah okay and uh Okay. <laughs> Gilbert, in a, in 
a poll, 94% of Hungarians, compared to only 46% of Americans, said doing this was necessary to feel fulfilled. Doing what? Having a child. I disagree. You fool! Having <laughs> <laughs> a child is correct, David. Oh, David, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried. When she heard that Phileas Fogg had done it in 80 days, journalist Nellie Bly beat him by doing it in 72 days. What did she do? Uh, this is rowing the Atlantic. I'm gonna agree. You fool! <laughs> Everyone it's is... It's so funny. This clip goes through every single time, because they keep going yes. back to Gilbert because he's the last thing they need for the win. Yes. And so, I think he said, nobody would call on me until they needed to win. Right. <laughs> and so, and this is, by the way, we're watching a, a video with a giant watermark that says SGSA, because this is the Stupid Game Show Answers YouTube channel mm-hmm. with... With mm. 50,000 subscribers. This has uh, 1.5 million views on it. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. I, 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 oh, it's God. so fun. They, I think it, they go back and fun. forth nine times before <laughs> nine they times. get it Before they get it right. And I don't, I don't yeah. know if this is the case. Cause I, he has talked about this on occasion. This is one of those shows, not unlike the old 70s shows, they'd film like nine of them in a day mm-hmm. and people would get mm-hmm. a little... Punchy. Yeah. yeah. Let's say punchy. And <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much TV. It is fun though to see Tom Bergeron, who is a consummate professional. I love him as a game show it's, host, dying laughing like he cannot keep anything together towards the end of this. Really difficult to hate Tom Bergeron, and I I almost hate that just because even recently, like oh that's how you apolitically say fuck Sean Spicer, which he did, <laughs> <laughs> but now he can't no, get in trouble. I love that the contestants start to look really scared. Yes, <laughs> when it's their time to answer, it was like. Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey gives a funny answer, and then he says, no, no, really. And he gives usually just the right answers. Like, please get it right now. (laughs) I agree. You fool! (laughs) Penn Jillette's yelling it, too, at one point. Uh, Also also out this week, (laughs) show I've never heard of in my life. Uh, This is a fun discovery. Archie's Weird Mysteries premieres, which is just like a blatant Scooby-Doo ripoff with Archie, which feels like, uh, yeah, that seems right. That's okay. The story is apparently something went wrong in the physics lab, which kind of opened up a portal for all these weird monsters to oh come out God. and terrorize Riverdale. And Archie is voiced by Andrew Rannells, which is so exciting. Who's that? He's been huh. in a bunch of things he's uh hannah's gay best friend and girl oh okay he's a broadway star he's on book of mormon okay. in book of mormon i got it yeah but yes here's the opening I'm only, I'm only playing. I want to play this because, like, I'm a massive Archie fan. Uh, sadly, yeah, I feel like this is right up your alley. I was I shocked never knew that this existed. you did not know about this. Archie has existed almost an exclusively horrendous 1960s animation. This looks somewhat mm. decent. Yeah, I'm sure the show sucks. I but, mean, but the, these characters like are just so stuck in the 50s. It's very odd to see them translated literally to a modern, yeah. modern 1999 cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it only got one season, 40 episodes. One season of 40 episodes. Yeah. It's more episodes Jeez. than Mr. Show had in four uh-huh. seasons, goddammit. Yeah. Also out this week, no, this, a new episode. Oh, I love this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Freaks and Geeks, Beers and Weirs. This is such a sweet episode, and 
the second episode mm-hmm. of another one that hits it out. We might be talking about Freaks and Geeks every week, also just I watched them so many times. <laughs> yeah, but beers and weirs. Yeah. So um, the parents of uh, the parents of the kid, main kids go out of town, leave them alone. So the sister, what is her name? Linda Cardellini, Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay. Throws a party, and then it's so sweet because everyone kind of shows up. Martin Starr's character gets very drunk, which is very cute. And then he gets for drunk for real somehow, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. Well, because they because they've had to go to like a drunk driving event, and so they're like so freaked out. The geeks are so freaked out. They're like, "Oh God, she's gonna get a keg, and they're all gonna get drunk, and everyone's gonna die." That they get a keg of non-alcoholic beer and swap it. Right. Yes. They, so right. it's, it's every, all these kids like nursing a huge placebo effect. Yeah. Ex- except yeah. I think yeah I think Bill really got Martin Starr really got yeah, drunk somehow. Yeah, but then he's mm-hmm. yeah. he, it's his yeah. job to guard the real keg, and he ends up okay. drinking. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, and also, Lindsay is finally like this party's gotten out of control, and she doesn't know how to get out of it. And mm-hmm. so, Sam Levine's character saves her basically oh. by uh, making a phone call, and it's very sweet. Hi, police, please. Thank you. Yes, hello, police. Yes, hi. There's a very loud and annoying party going on next door. It's just been going on forever. I'm very tired, and I'm old, and I need my rest. I've got to work tomorrow. <laughs> Yes, it's 13 Gnome Drive. Thank you. Please hurry up. I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say this party has a life expectancy of five minutes. Sam Levine rules. I love him so much. Uh, Yeah, uh, so it's cute. It's definitely a little kid pretending to be a grown up, which is so cute to me. (laughs) <laughs> he, he, but if I didn't say it last week, he's my he's my analog in Freaks and Geeks. It really he really does though nail how much I say I'm so tired as an adult. <laughs> I do say that a lot. Okay, okay, okay. This is my personal favorite thing of the week because uh, there are a few things I've watched as many times as the SNL 40th anniversary, mm-hmm. and I just watched it so many fucking times. And in the middle of that is Jerry Seinfeld and David Bowie together. Like it just seems like two people who never Aww. should have been together teasing their appearance on the season premiere. So mm-hmm. I, I've seen this episode a couple times. I've watched the 40th... No, sorry. It's the 20th anniversary special, which ah. I've watched like... I've watched like Aha. a billion times. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they just decide to play it real quiet. And like they just... Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Seinfeld and David Bowie and it's silence. And Jerry Seinfeld just goes, So, uh, Chris Rock tells me you have a black wife. <laughs> and, and he's like, Yeah, I'm on... Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you gonna do the airplane peanuts bit? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's start a clip. That's all they do together. That's fun. It, it, it's, it's one of my favorite things ever. But in the episode, one of my favorite things ever, ever that's ever happened. And SNL kind of does this shit all the time. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld is right off of the Seinfeld finale where they all go to jail. And in this sketch, they set up a fiction where Jerry Seinfeld is sent to the prison of Oz from HBO's Ooh. Oz, which. Has all of the Oz cast members in it? Yeah, they it's, all showed up for it. It's crazy. It's mm-hmm. it's it's filmed on the set with the same cameras. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen because Oz was again like my gateway to one hour dramas and The Sopranos. I, I Oz was one of the first shows I fell in love with. So everybody's the guy who plays Tobias Beecher is in it playing George. You didn't get the makeup <laughs> side of me, missed that baby. Like <laughs> he does what, what? What's wrong with you? At a BC pricked me with an AIDS infected needle. Well, good luck with all that. <laughs> and and this in this this sequence, which I don't feel like Jerry Seinfeld would do, it's got just kidding Simmons in it, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Dean Winters, <laughs> the All-State Mayhem guy, and Augustus uh, Harold Perrineau, you might mm-hmm. know from Lost, mm-hmm. who played Oz's narrator, making a Seinfeld pack together. You think you could hold out longer than me? I know I can hold out longer than you. Care to make it interesting? Carton of smokes? I went in too. You're all on. Whoever goes the longest without committing male rape wins the contest. Yeah! The joke didn't work very well then. But it's still one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I, w- I love this sketch so much. Like back in the when there was no YouTube and you just sharing videos, this was shared through like every torrent search. You would find it like hottest porn I've ever seen. Jerry Seinfeld ah, sketch. Thanks, asshole. Uh, also out this week on the third of October, Animal Farm, the TV movie. Please tell me, is this? This is hmm. what? What are you asking me? Is this, uh, is this animated CG? What are we looking sort at Sort of. It's very unsettling. Oh, it's like that Charlotte's Web movie principle, like m- moving mouths and live, live animals. Yeah, kind yeah, of. I couldn't really like, tell well, what it is. We, yeah, it's like, well, we figured out the technology for Babe, so now we can finally film Animal Farm. Except we'll change a bunch of shit, including the fucking ending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Animal Farm, by the way, no one wants to see that as a movie. No, no one who's no. ever read the book. Mm. Your children don't no. want to see that. Nobody it, wants to see adorable farm animals I'm portrayed this way. Of the British animated movie, I like that one from the '70s, but I don't know why but they keep trying to adapt realistic this. Animals, I don't know. It feels. Ah, uh, so yeah. Wow. On Justin, great. A prime time lineup. Get the kids around eight o'clock. Let's watch an adaptation of George Orwell's Animal Farm. Throughout history, animals have worked for man. I already hate this. And man has fed and cared for them. What about the animals? I'll let them rock. Where's our food? I'm so hungry. But now, in this valley, on this farm, in this barn, man is our enemy. Things are about to change. Remove man, and we will become free and Equal! Free and equal! Based on one of the most important and controversial books of our time. Okay, okay. This looks crazy. Frightening. This looks like a a bad (laughs) Disney ride. Yeah, it looks Uh, like a bad dream. (laughs) Why Mm. would you... You've seen this, Diana? I saw this back in the day, and I remember thinking, well, they didn't skimp on the mud budget. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is so muddy and grim and grimy, and it's like you just something as works as you know a metaphor maybe doesn't work literally yeah. like if you're reading the book about the pigs doing this the pigs doing that yeah. that's one thing and they're actually like big old sows that sound like Kelsey Grammer. It's yes. a little bit different. Yeah. And Ian Holm and Julie Louise Dreyfus and Julie Lormond. This is crazy. Why would they do that? Also the on the, also on the third, it's competing with CBS uh, Sunday Movie with Mia Farrow and Martin Sheen. Forget me, mm-hmm. never. Yeah. Yeah. She gets Alzheimer's. Okay. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I shouldn't have laughed. That, I mean, but. that's really the story from what I could tell, but two really big stars <sighs> going up. And uh, video games. Hey, you want to hear us talk longer about video games? Consider subscribing to Laser Time Patreon. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. We might have figured something out for you, but all I can tell you right now is that Final Fantasy VI came out on PS1. Final Fantasy III, if you're a Super Nintendo guy. Crash Team Racing. I know there's a remaster that recently came out, but it originally came out 20 years ago. Pac-Man World. A sequel to Pac-Man, Pac-Land, 
Pac-Man has had a lot of side-scrollers in addition to his traditional boop, 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 waka, 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 even though you can play the classic Pac-Man mode in this. And quite possibly, the uh, I would say the least played game in the most bought series of video games of all time, Grand Theft Auto 2, is out this week. And it just mm. it doesn't deviate very much from what 1 was. And the game wasn't this... Uh, what would you, household name until it went 3D, mm-hmm. and uh, like right. me and your husband were playing it mm-hmm. uh, constantly. My, and Diana's husband, he was also playing it. We love the first Grand Theft Auto, but they have a London episode in between this and GTA 2. It's just very much more the same. It didn't make a huge splash, but the third one they went 3D, launched on consoles instead of just PC, and it kind of went from there. And I, I have mm-hmm. to think this is the slowest moving franchise in the history of video games. <laughs> this is Grand Theft Auto 2. We are currently on five. Oh, wow. At 20 years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, oh, yes. And let's, oh, I love this song. We're going to go out with In God's Country by U2 because it's from Three Kings. Yeah, the That's second. That's how they close out, so we should too. Right. Even though it's the second best song in the movie because of Eddie Murphy's party all the time. Uh... <laughs> no, no. Does it. Is one of, who's it specifically tells him, no, that's a bad song. See, Marky Mark? <laughs> yes. Turns. Uh, but the yeah, Iraqi army guys just that's sitting not. around in a bunker listening to that. Yes. Trying to give out Cuisinart's like, here, no, here, yeah. here's your bribe. Take yeah. a Cuisinart for your wife. Fuck. <laughs> 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 Well, let's, we haven't closed that with you two. I don't. I think like maybe once in the history of the show. And this is a great song yeah. from a great movie. See Three Kings, everyone, and we'll be right back with 2009. A lot of good things come with aging, but I can't lie, getting older can be a bit of a downer, he says while pointing finger down coyly. Oh yes, 40% of men by the age of 40 struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. Happens to a lot of us. I mean you, you, it happens to a lot of you. Okay, look, I don't know why guys turn to weird solutions. Some of us don't have insurance. Some of us are too embarrassed to go to a doctor's office. Uh, but you don't have to, thanks to Hims, And you can try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit by going to 4 slash TTT. Don't do what I did. Don't go consult a local witch doctor. It's so much easier now. You can trust science because thanks to science, ED can be optional. And with Hims, you can connect yourself to real licensed doctors and get FDA-approved pharmaceutical products to treat ED. No, no, these are not magic beans. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions. I can't say here, but you know what they are, Agra. I mean, are. Again, these are real medical solutions proven to work, and it's so easy. Not only do you eliminate having to go to a doctor, you don't have to endure any painful injections or anything like that. Just go to the website, answer a couple questions about your medical history, and you can chat with a real doctor, and they'll give you a confidential review. If you're approved, your product will be shipped directly to your door, and that is simple and easy. And as always, I do love this copy. It's erectile without the dysfunction. It's hard made easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so say hello to your little friend once again and try hymns today by starting out with a free online visit. And to do that, use our URL. Go to forhymns.com slash TTT. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash three T's. See you there.
This is Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of September 27th through October 3rd, I have possibly the weirdest recommend for the weirdest movie I think I've ever seen. And that's saying a lot, but September 28th, 1969 saw the release of Richard Lester's The Bedsitting Room. Which is a movie I did not know existed uh, until one night I just had insomnia and I was watching Turner Classic Movies because that's what I do. And this thing comes on and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, a Richard Lester movie from the 60s. It's written by Spike Milligan, who's a legendary crazy person. It's got Peter Cook and Dudley Moore in it. Marty Feldman. Oh, okay, I'll watch this. Cut to two hours later and I'm just standing shell-shocked by my television. Like, what just happened? It is the weirdest damn movie that I think I could recommend instead of just like, this is actually good, but mostly it's just weird. It is a black comedy satire that takes place after a nuclear war in which uh, a bunch of disparate characters in, in and around London uh, are living in rubble and lots of weird shit's happening. There's one family that just lives on the tube on the subway and it just keeps going round and round and round and never stops. And they're just stuck on it. They just live there now. Other people living just in this weird... I don't know where the hell they filmed this, because it looks like the world's best set-decorated garbage pile, and weird shit happens. Like, Ralph Richardson, who's like a fancy old upper-class guy, just starts slowly turning into a one-bedroom apartment. And uh, I think it's his wife or some other woman just starts slowly turning into, like, a chest of drawers. Okay. And occasionally Peter Cook and Dudley Moore fly by in a balloon telling everyone to keep moving. It's so strange. So strange and so unlike anything else I've ever seen. Like I said, Spike Milligan, who was one of the goons, uh, also with Peter Sellers back in the day, who were kind of a precursor to Monty Python. Coming up next week, I get to talk about them. But it's uh, so gloriously strange and odd looking. It just looks like nothing else I've ever seen. So that's my recommend if you... I don't know if you want to get high and watch it or what, but it's so weird. But good, I guess. Just, yeah, different. So, The Bed Sitting Room from 1969, uh, 50 years ago this week. That's going to be my recommend. And stay classic. Coming in with Mariah Carey, obsessed off of Memories of an Imperfect Angel, which I'm going to guess is out this week. 2009, baby. September 27th to the 3rd. That's what we're talking about. Lots of new music releases this week. Humanoid by Tokyo Hotel. Closer to the Bone by Chris Christofferson. Uh, Cancel Down by Foreigner, their first album in 15 years. Death Clocks, Death Album 2. Love my Brendan Small. Uh, Kiss and Tell by Selena Gomez. Black Gives Way to Blue by Alice in Chains. Their first album since the, the death of the lead singer at Lane Staley. Crash Love by AFI, The G-Files by Warren G, Revolution by Miranda Lambert, Brand New Eyes by Paramore, and Love is the Answer by Barbara Streisand, which hit number one. Did it really? Number yep. one, making Barbara the only artist to have a number one in five decades. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That I can't believe that many old people were still alive in 2009. I can't believe they were buying 
Right. My, albums. My mom didn't go yeah, out and buy the this album. They're the only ones that are doing it, I guess. Yeah, well, I there you go. That's how you get the last laugh. I suppose. Oh, my God. And, okay, there's some great news here. Well, not great news. Uh, well, this is fine, I guess. <laughs> Khloe Kardashian marries Lamar Odom. In, uh, I mean, it wasn't 27th. great news for Chloe, ultimately. Yeah, they divorced mm, in 2016. Or Lamar, to be honest. I meant splendid news for us to talk about. And then David Letterman reveals something on television that I had to grab a clip of because I do consider this one of the weirdest moments to ever occur on television. Mm-hmm. Mm. At the time, I considered it very ballsy because uh, he was being he was being privately blackmailed, and rather than take it, he just like. Well, I'll just admit it all on television. Uh, <laughs> I'll admit it all yep. li- admit it all live on television, and then you have nothing to blackmail me with, and I'll just get you arrested. But it did. It, it's 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 weird. I don't know that David, this would be a much bigger scandal now. David Letterman, uh, what he did, mm-hmm. but it's it, to me it's hilarious because if you'd been watching David Letterman, which I wasn't, mm-hmm. because he's like he'd come back to his desk after like you know a pretty formulaic monologue and. He's, in, he's getting older. He's almost about ready to retire. It's like, yeah, Paul, you ever had that uh, Chinese food? Huh? Yeah. Chinese food? Like, it's like, that's what he would normally tell you. So he's mm-hmm. he's sitting down to tell like an audience of Letterman fans what they think is just some bullshit comedic premise and starts unspooling this thing about how I'm being blackmailed mm-hmm. so a guy can write a screenplay and I have to give him $2 million and makes one of, I think, the weirdest semi... I don't want to call it a brave reveal because it's kind of a shitty thing that he did. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I don't think most people would have just like completely, uh, pro- and again, probably not now would have it just copped to this on television. This is a long clip, but I like it a lot. And the the premise being David Letterman is being blackmailed, calls his attorney, also calls the FBI, and keeps engaging with this person. And on mm-hmm. the day his blackmailer is arrested, he comes clean about everything on national television. Uh, I had to go downtown to the uh, testify before the grand jury, yeah. and uh, I had to tell them how I, I was disturbed by this. I was worried for myself. I was worried for my family. Uh, I, f- I felt menaced by this, uh, and I had to tell them uh, all of the creepy things that I have done that were going to be... <laughs> well, now, why is that funny? That's, I mean... <laughs> so... Uh... So the idea is, is if they uh, believe, in fact, a crime has been committed, then they issue a warrant, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, a little bit after noon today, the guy was arrested. Ah. Now, <clears throat> now, of course, <clears throat> we get to what was it? What was all the creepy stuff? that he was going to put into the, the screenplay and, and the movie. And uh, the creepy stuff was that I have uh, had sex with women who work for me on this show. Now, my response to that is, yes, I have. <laughs> I have had sex with women who work on this show. And, and would it be embarrassing if it were made public? Perhaps it would. Perhaps it would. Especially for the women. Um, uh, 
but that's a decision for them to make if they want to come public and talk about uh, the relationships, if I want to go public and talk about the relationships. But what you don't want is a guy saying, oh, I know, I know you had sex with women, so I, I, I would like $2 million, or I'm going to make trouble for you. So that's where we stand right now. Um, I just want to thank the people at the Special Prosecution Bureau and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, uh, Robert Morgenthau, who is uh, uh, head of that. It's, uh, it's been a very bizarre experience. I, wow. <laughs> like, imagine, you, most people here Gosh. are tourists to what, I want to see David Letterman do the top, top ten. Oh, good lord. <laughs> what? Oh, good lord. Who were his guests after this? <laughs> I'm dying to know. Hopefully his victim. I don't know. Like, uh, uh, Ronan Farrow. <laughs> Diana with the only funny yes. response. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I think he probably would have been fired just for this allegation mm-hmm. uh, today, but like it was a di- it, ten years ago was completely different time. Yeah, I'm. I still have questions. Like, how did this producer who is blackmailing him? It wasn't a producer, I don't think. It wasn't? No, I don't think so. No, it was someone who knew someone. Oh, okay. How so did... he, he knew one of his ex-girlfriends or mm-hmm. knew someone who had heard rumors. Okay. And I think yeah. uh, he had discussed certain things with her. And, and if for, it wasn't pleasant for any of these women because it's not like something sure. they were coming forward to talk about. It was just right. you know, they slept with their boss. Like mm-hmm. it's between me and him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they were very young and mostly interns. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the part where it starts to get a little bit creepy. I mean, anytime there's a power power imbalance, there's it's creepy, and there's an extra power imbalance when the guy A is your boss and B is a big fancy public figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he has a ton of money and he, a lot of resources. So yeah, to fuck you, up your life. If, if you're working to. on the Letterman show and you're allowed to make eye contact with him, you might be about to have sex. That's, that's the lesson. Mm-hmm. That's the lesson you have mm-hmm. to learn from what I've read about him on that show. Uh, still, don't hate Letterman though. Can't do it. I just uh, listened to his WTF. I love that man. It was very interesting. Uh, and his his new show, he he actually can like be himself and political, and it's really interesting because mm. he was apolitical the entire time. Mm-hmm. Anywho, uh, movies of two thousand nine, September twenty seventh through the October third. Yes, the October third. Shut up. Uh, More than a game, starring LeBron. Jams. Never uh, heard of him. Me neither. Uh, Drew mm-hmm. Joyce the Third, Romeo Travis, uh, Cian Cotton, William. I I did hear about this. Uh, what and is this? Drew Joyce the Second. Drew Joyce the Second. Awesome. Two Drew Joyces. Yeah. I well, feel this... way drunker just saying two Drew Joyces. It... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's a documentary about this team that's you know this high school team that's amazing at basketball and how clear it is that LeBron James is going to be like an amazing pro player, but. It's like he's obviously the standout, but you still got to play as a team. Like, what about the other guy? Mm-hmm. All these other guys that are on this team, what do they do? And what are the pressures like when you're just so obviously gifted at this thing? And, like, do you just drop out of high school and go straight to the pros? You know, you're going to go to college? What are you going to do? So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool that, you know, they caught a, a megastar just as he was becoming that megastar. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is weird. Um, uh, and, oh, man, I, I don't want to talk too long about this movie because I do love it, uh, but this is a weird beginning of the end of relevancy for a man named Michael Moore, mm-hmm. who has made movies after this that I do like. But uh, this is 
you know, we hear a lot of talk about socialism these days, but 10 years ago, Michael Moore made a movie that I felt was mostly ignored called Capitalism, A Love Story. He was right about health care. We're here to get the money back for the American people. He was right about the war. Where's our money? I don't know. Now, he's right on the money. <laughs> I got more bags. Uh, 10 billion probably won't fit in here. On October 2nd, one movie will have America talking. I am here to make a citizen's arrest of the board of directors of AIG. Capitalism, a love story. I just thought, like, I have been a crazy Michael Moore fan since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I saw Roger Roger and me at too young an age. And then the show TV Nation sort of blew my mind. Before The Daily Show was on and correspondents were out there doing weird shit, uh, there was a network show on NBC where people were committing to act. Jeanine Garofalo was one of the correspondents on TV Nation, mm-hmm. uh, committing acts of like silly activism. Hmm. And it was great. And it went on into The Awful Truth. And then Bowling for Columbine came out. And then Fahrenheit 9-11, it became the highest grossing documentary of all time. And he became kind of a pariah, I think, mm-hmm. on the right and the left. Like even the left mm-hmm. shits on Michael Moore. But I always say he's always right. Every time. Yeah. Every time. And yep. he, was, he was ahead of the game on everything, the way we treat our veterans, uh, our healthcare system. And in, 10 years Trump. ago, Trump, uh, 10 years ago, he made a, a movie where the thesis was capitalism. And I, I always try to tell people the end of the movie is him doing one of his stunts, putting police tape around Wall Street because no one went to jail for the fucking uh, financial crisis of 2008 at all. Mm-hmm. And he just says at the end of the movie, I'm tired of doing this. Uh, I can't keep doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. I try and make this funny and silly, but what I, his general thesis the whole time is that the Americans' warped nature of capitalism isn't working for the majority of people and probably needs to be stopped. And I just wanted to play the very end of the documentary because I watched his new documentary in the movie theater right. uh, recently. Were you, you were, mm-hmm. you, I did not go the, to that. My husband did. Nobody did. Yeah. And, and so I'm only saying mm-hmm. that because Michael Moore's relevancy has diminished because, I mean – to both his credit and discredit podcasts and uh, websites and YouTube videos. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do the uncovering that he, like we used to watch, you could watch the news all day and have your mind blown by a Michael Moore movie mm-hmm. in the early two thousands. Cause he's digging up shit that the news just isn't really doing their job. Mm-hmm. And Michael Moore would dig a little harder. And again, people on the right and left found him annoying and didn't like the way he presented himself or thrust himself in the spotlight of all of his documentaries. But I do want to say to a bunch of like uh, socialist-leaning kids now, Michael Moore was there 10 years ago when nobody else was. We live in the richest country in the world. We all deserve a decent job, health care, a good education, a home to call our own. We all deserve FDR's dream. And it's a crime that we don't have it. And we never will, as long as we have a system that enriches the few at the expense of the many. Capitalism is an evil, and you cannot regulate evil. You have to eliminate it and replace it with something that is good for all people. It just it was something he Oof. was brushing up against his whole career, and f- it, I felt like this was going to be his last movie because mm-hmm. uh, mm. it, w- it was just him kind of covering everything. And he didn't make one for a, a long time, and when he did, it had a significantly different formula. What was the one that just came out that you saw? I don't. Oh, Fahrenheit eleven nine. Eleven nine. That's right. That was the day Trump was elected. But I do recommend yeah. to everyone where to invade next because that was just like 
what if I travel to all around the country, find cool policies and adopt them here, like better school lunch programs mm-hmm. and uh, free mm-hmm. college in Slovenia? And like, it's, I think it's a fantastic movie where if you take cherry pick these working programs from throughout the, throughout the world, there, we do have the formula for a utopia or a thing that works for everybody. But I just I love the idea that the same people who would probably be on Twitter calling him irrelevant, like he was ten years ahead of you, mm. suck a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, he's he's talking to Elizabeth Warren there because yep. yeah. at the time she was in charge of not the TARP program, but she, I mean, she was basically in charge of figuring out where did our money go yep. when we were bailing right. everybody out. And so. her answer is, I don't goddamn know. Mm-hmm. Sam and I because were, we weren't doing our job. We were discussing. Sp- being introduced to Elizabeth Warren in the documentary Maxed Out from 15 years ago Mm -hmm. about the evils of the credit card industry because she was the only one doing shit about it. Yeah. (laughs) And and not saying I'm endorsing her because I'm a Mitt Romney man all the way. We all know this. We all know this. You've seen my bumper stickers. I never took them off. Uh, (laughs) I mean, this one, it can be a tough watch because it's not... It's largely about the the financial crisis, 2008. So it was very, very timely, obviously, to come out in 2009. You know, it talks a lot about the foreclosure industry and and people losing their homes and how all that was fucked up. But it also it also goes off into some different directions that are like connected to show a larger picture, but can make you feel like, oh, we're just wandering around now, like talking about for profit prisons. Yep. It's like no, but the point is is that it's unfettered capitalism should not be playing with human rights in people's lives like this. There's no other motivation to do anything in the world unless someone gets rich off it. Mm -hmm. Might be a little ridiculous and is kind of exclusive to our country. Yeah. And and Mm. I said might. I said, (laughs) said, (laughs) not trying to destroy the whole system. No, fuck this. Anyway. uh, Class war. Class war, yeah. Patreon.com slash laser time. I'm just kidding. The conservative (laughs) people don't believe in charity. What the fuck? Whip it. Is out this week. I, is this Drew Barrymore's directorial debut? Yes. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I know I saw this. I just don't remember where. I love this movie. Really? Yes. This is a lot of fun. This movie is great. I mm. cannot think of a bad thing to say about it, honestly. The acting's great. It has every act, every actress in it is doing great work. Even my favorite actress, <laughs> Daniel Stern. And my favorite actress, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be the dad of someone who roller skated. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were doing Jimmy Fallon for no, a second. No. <laughs> I got really confused. Um, yeah, it's. I watched it the other night actually, um, and I have I rewatched it because I remember watching it when it came out, and it is just so damn fun and mm-hmm. cute, and makes mm-hmm. you want to just hug your girlfriends and become mm-hmm. a badass. Ellen Page plays the daughter of Marcia Gay. Harden, who is a pageant mom, and she's always enrolling Ellen Page in pageants, and she just doesn't, she's not really a fan of it. And then she goes to a head shop where she sees an advertisement for roller derby girls. And so she gets involved with them, and she joins the team, and she's best friends with Alia Shawkat. It's just so great. And the cast is like like Kristen Wiig, I think, before like yeah. she was a household name, mm-hmm. Juliette yep. Lewis, and Zoe Bell. Yeah. Fucking, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And they're really doing it, I think. Well, and that's that's what yeah. I – like, I swear to Christ, I don't know this for sure. I've seen mm-hmm. roller der- like Ladies Roller Derby. Mm-hmm. It's – it's one of the scariest looking things I've ever mm-hmm. seen in my whole life. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't I, I is it like wrestling though? Am I am I mistaken? I don't think so. I think it's for real. Yeah, because like the hits I saw, like 
is there a way to take a fault like that? I mean, like, they're wearing pads and helmets. You're moving very, very fast. And so when you bump yeah. someone over that fucking ramp, I don't know, like the, the couple times I mean, I've seen it, you like, know, I don't know of another sport that women engage. Like there's no ladies football out right. there. Mm-hmm. And this is the, this is the most violent thing I've seen women do. Yeah. Other than yeah. wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are some performance theatrics. If you get like pushed, you know, kind of over the side of something, you're going to kick your heels up a little bit more, but the hits are real. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I've always meant to ask. Cause like, yeah, it, yeah, it seems crazy. Anyway, whip it, uh, whip it. Ellen page directed by Drew Barrymore. Welcome to skate night at the warehouse. I just want to tell you all that you're my new heroes. Well, put some skates on. Be your own hero. The last time I wore skates, they had Barbies on them. I want to be her. Yes, I do. You could be our mascot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, be your own hero. Yes, I love it. Uh, Can I ask? This is going to elongate the show needlessly. Okay. When was uh-huh. the last time either of you s- skated? Oh, Lord have mercy. Mm, elementary school? No. Yeah. <laughs> and it was probably at someone's birthday party, and I probably <laughs> had to wear a helmet. I probably pretended, no, no, I just really like Donkey Kong Jr. You guys go out there, and I'm going to play this game. <laughs> oh, I was not an outdoors kid or very – I just read Skating rinks are indoors. I went. I went this year. And it was a, oh. it was a little. I, here's, I just wanted to say, I, I am so fucking old, so fucking old. I learned to skate on the four skate, skatey skate skates. Yeah, mm-hmm. not blades, it, not yeah. blades. And then those yeah. became uncool, and my cousins were all into it, and uh, they helped me get a pair of roller blades for my mm-hmm. birthday when I was uh, like a preteen. Mm-hmm. And that took some adjusting. Mm-hmm. And then I tried. I can still rollerblade, but when I try and get back on the four skates, I don't. It doesn't work. Like I'm having trouble. Wow. I, I'm having a little bit of trouble, and and like an old man's ankles. Oh man. Oh man. Well, you know, that's actually more for ice skating. I went ice skating a couple times. I try and go ice skating once a year, Oof. and it's. It, I really cannot do that. I do not understand how nope. that is done. No. But uh, but even the 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 quad skates. Like mm-hmm. I was having a little bit of difficulty mm. uh, doing it last time. Like oh, your kids out there it was. Trying to date a girl, a girl with a daughter, and I'm like, I'll take her skating for five minutes. Like she, <laughs> she, she'll be out there doing the hokey pokey by her damn self. Yeah, yeah, no, Roller skates sp- were never my thing. A long time. Yeah, it's, Diana didn't even have a, a year, so I guess it's been like um, five presidents ago. I feel like <laughs> I went. I might have gone ice skating or in high school. Mm-hmm. So that's about 1948. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweet. The year Roger Rabbit took place. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, oh, this fucking movie. Yeah. Mm. Next up. I have never never looked forward to something and been so mad at it Mm -hmm. when I saw it. Look at this cast as I read backwards. This cast! Stephen Merchant, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jason Bateman, Nate Cordry, Jeffrey Tambor, Christopher Guest, Tina Fey, John Hodgman, Louis C.K., Jonah Hill, Rob Lowe, Jennifer Garner... And Ricky Gervais in The Invention of Lying. Imagine a world where everyone can only tell the truth. I had a little sip of this from right there. I'm with him right now. Seems nice. A bit fat. She's way out of your league. No, I won't be sleeping with him tonight. About everything. I loathed almost every minute that I worked for you. All the time. I've always hated you. You've always hated you. I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of people know it. 
wish you could change things. How much are you going to be withdrawing today, sir? $800. It says here that you only have $300. It seems our system has made a mistake. Here you go. Today, I stumbled upon something that no man has ever stumbled on before. The world's first lie. In this scene, I, like, this looks great. I can't wait mm-hmm. to see this movie. And the trailers don't tell you anything of what it's really about, mm-hmm. which is just a giant postcard mm-hmm. to atheism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's It's totally absurd. It's half the movie. Yes, yeah. it is. It's it's half the fucking movie. Yeah. And it's just like and like, dude, I get it. I'm as atheistic or agnostic, I say, because mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There could be a bearded dude up there who hates gays. We don't know. He, he, I don't think so. Nah, nah, it's possible. A guy made supernovas and otters and probably doesn't like the way humans have sex. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think <laughs> someone's up there and I think she loves the gays. So. <laughs> oh, oh. Ooh. Oh, see, definitely. Look at me. Lying definitely exists in this culture. Blah. <laughs> Lady God. I wish I was dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I don't, yeah, like. It's like, dude, I'm with you, but this is stupid, and I'm embarrassed to be in a movie theater watching it. Well, the first like little bit of it, mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. of it is yeah. really, I I was here for it. It like, counts I as really high concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was great, and then it took a turn, and I was like, angry. It made me angry. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. Half the movie like is about the denial of the existence well, of God. Well, because he starts telling his mother, who's mm-hmm. ill and dying, he starts making up a story about God and heaven and an afterlife, and mm-hmm. then it becomes like a cult situation, right? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah it, it's it's truly bizarre. Well, yeah. Because no one's ever lied before, so he right. must know something. Right. So everyone believes him. Yeah. Oh, he knows about a man in a sky, yeah. and that we all get mansions when we die. Yeah. Tell I, me more. I think conveniently after that, and I swear, like I'm as atheist as anybody gets, but I'm—I mm-hmm. try to be respectful of other people. Any kind of spirituality, I, I don't care what it's. You're jerking off over the Constitution or Star Trek, uh, like I, I get for it. Star Trek. I, I, I prefer Star Trek. I do, but I understand other people feel differently. Sure. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's obnoxious and annoying, and like and, and, and like the movie gets less funny as that happens. Well, it's just so smug. It's so smug. So I'm, very very. I smug. don't appreciate that. I also was. His voiceover part of the film, or was that just there for the trailer? I don't remember. Okay. All I remember is that he made Louis C.K. shave his goatee and like, ooh, that is a crucial choice that man must make on a regular basis. He looks very weird without that thing. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> no, they have voiceover opening the movie just to explain the, the basic concept because it goes a lot faster that way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the first half, I guess I liked. And then I, when it heads into religion, I was like, okay, but is there a way out of this? That's, that was a complaint of mine. And my other complaint is Jennifer Garner's character. I mean, the, the idea that, okay, no one can lie, but that also doesn't mean that people always volunteer exactly what they're right. thinking. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of weird. And then Jennifer Garner is constantly just like, oh, no, you're a loser. That guy's a loser. I'm out of your league. And still Ricky Gervais is saying, like, you're the kindest person I've ever met. It's like, he says that right after she just said a bunch of strangers look like losers, so they must be losers. And is obsessed with this idea of, like, I can't marry you because, like, our kids would be fat. Even after he becomes famous for being the one guy who talks to God. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem like that's where that would go, actually. It would be like, okay, well, I like your personality and also you're famous now. So, yes, I will have sex with you. (laughs) But they say genetics like a thousand times in that back half. And I, I don't understand that thinking. Where are they going with this? I think we might have an underwritten female character here, everybody. Oh, we got to have that. an alarm button. 
Can yeah. imagine that. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yes, from Ricky Gervais, so. the king of female characters. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it did have some cute ideas. The idea that there would be no real movies because that's lying. <laughs> True. So their movies are just like a guy sitting in a chair telling you a story from history. Sweet. Like, that's every movie. Like an old two reeler. Like, mm-hmm. like, the, like yeah, it's just Christopher Guest sitting there. Telling you about the steam engine, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, let's go see the new movie, Steam Engine." So yeah, that's a good transition yes. because Invention of Lying was a movie I really wanted to like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. walked out com- feeling completely differently. A movie I really didn't want to like mm-hmm. because I am a I don't know snide fucking pop Crotchety. culture nerd. Crotchy, yeah, I'm tired of zombies. <laughs> Ten years ago, yeah. no one's ever yeah. tired of zombies. They're a great stand. Zombieland. Uh, mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin, and Amber Heard and Bill Murray in uh, <gasps> the number Don't one movie at the box office. <laughs> you got a pretty mouth. Welcome to Zombieland. It's the greatest hits collection of nightmares. <laughs> Zombie kill of the week. That is so offensive. You guys want some Purell? Yes. Yeah. Zombie land. Come here, big fella. Just gonna take a little off the top. Rated R, October 2nd. Yeah, I had to spoil it. Sorry. That's because it's like the best part well, of the movie. Well, I... It was so good. I saw this in the theater, mm-hmm. and when they drive up to the house, and it says the initials BM, yeah. I turned to the person I was with, and I said, <laughs> oh my God, Bette Midler. <laughs> I was like, Bette Midler's house. <laughs> also a great... Also would have been a great choice. I got so excited, because I oh thought Bette Midler was be in this movie oh that would have been really good too though i know uh, it's just as far oh, as uh I, like i remember seeing this trailer i don't know i, I even made a zombie movie mm-hmm. and it's like this is and i remember talking to the director and like no we're not saying the word fucking zombie you don't say the word zombie in a fucking zombie movie nobody fucking does that and this mm-hmm. movie does it from like the get-go uh, from, <laughs> from the title on sure even though the name of that main character do you remember sarah Tallahassee. It's Tallahassee, my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's a perfect horror comedy. It yeah, just is. It's great. It just is. And it's shot in that uh, wonderful theme park that is now right. exclusively a film set location because I think it got it opened <laughs> and then it got flooded. Uh, was it during Katrina? Oh, yeah. Six Six Flags uh, down in Louisiana? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like It, it, yeah. it like, closed immediately and it's only been used like exclusively to film shots of abandoned theme parks on. Cool. And, uh, and, and it works for... I don't know. Every, the, the cast... Is, dude, how can you... Emma Roberts, Jesse Eisenberg, and uh, Woody Harrelson. They're all like... Emma far, Stone. Emma Stone, sorry. Yeah. Uh, they're, all, they're all fucking great. And, they're like, great. It's a, it's a great horror comedy. And then, uh, then when they meet Bill Murray, it's like it should stop the movie in its tracks. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know anybody... Young and old, who hates a long, a prolonged Bill Murray experience? No, no one, one. <laughs> nobody. But yep. uh, well, I I haven't read any reviews for the sequel yet, but we got the sequel ten years and two weeks later. I'm exactly. excited. Doesn't that seem bizarre in a world with you that know twenty bizarre. Marvel movies yeah. in ten years that we've had one Zombieland movie this decade? Is everyone coming back for mm-hmm. it? Awesome. No, yep. except for Bill Murray. Sorry, you got to see the yeah. movie. But, but we also got uh, Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch and uh, Rosario Dawson in there. Oh. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep meaning to rewatch. I've only watched this a couple times, but like it's it's great, and I don't it's feel so like it's, it gets celebrated that often. Yeah, because it just like it's one of those things that like uh, yeah, of course this could be funny if it 
No, no, but it, it surprised me mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the movie. I just Zombieland. love Woody Harrelson too, and he's especially when he's having fun. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. strange. He's a very I don't know someone that like inbred looking. I cannot believe he's a movie star and the first host of <laughs> SNL this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> moving on to television, two thousand nine, September twenty seventh through October third. Big Bang Theory, a show we haven't talked that much about. No, we really haven't. And honestly, I think Big Bang Theory does get a lot of criticism leveled at it that I think is, uh, yeah, it, it that criticism is probably true. But I also mm-hmm. think it's a very charming show in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah. they also pull great guest stars yeah. a Ooh. lot. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of, when I'm looking at TV every week, that's one of the things I always look at because several times during a season they're gonna have a great guest star that's you know is a physicist or a scientist of some kind and mm-hmm. so this week the jiminy conjecture <laughs> guest starring lewis black as an entomolo- entomologist bug guy yeah. uh-huh yeah yes yeah entomologist not a not a donut guy <laughs> entomologist <laughs> <laughs> entomens i don't get it <laughs> entomens like the the bakeries the stuff yeah. I don't eat donuts. I don't know. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm on board with this. Yes. And so. Shut up, Chris. The the guys uh, have a cricket in their house and they're trying, they're wagering on what the species of cricket is. And so they catch it and they bring it to Lewis Black, who uh, does one of his famous rants. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Let me show you something. See that? That's a Crawley's dung beetle. I discovered it after spending six months slogging through the Bornean rainforests while my wife was back home shacking up with a two-bit ornithologist who lives on a sailboat and likes to wear boot-cut jeans. <laughs> so when I tell you that that's a common field cricket, you can take that to the damn bank, because God knows I can't. That tramp took me for everything. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. I've very rarely seen him like do that outside of I know stand up. I know. Uh, cool. Very fun. <laughs> and I mean, I love that the name of the uh, the episode is the Jiminy Conjecture. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah, I get it now. All the episodes are named after like a, a law or something like that. And Theory, I, I very rarely seen the show, but like, and I don't ever care to do it. But mm-hmm. every time I see a clip, like. Yeah, Jim Parsons is pretty great. That's a, that's a really good yeah. central character. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get so it. So is Johnny Galecki. I, I don't know that I've ever seen him do anything on the show. I really like. I've just seen very select clips here and there. Just Sheldon, Sheldoning. Is that Sheldon? Yeah, yeah. Jim Parsons is Sheldon. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. The guy from the Muppet movie. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of shows, I'll never watch. Unbelievable. The Middle yeah. debuts this week, starring Patricia Heaton and Neil Flynn. Right. Well, the, it, middle's, the Middle's cute. Yeah. I know. I, like, it's just one of those things that I'll, I never saw it, never will. It is bizarre to me as someone... I am a TV person, mm-hmm. and I love situation comedies, and this somehow has escaped my viewing for some reason, mm-hmm. and it was on for nine seasons. Nine? I thought... Yes, I, I was thinking like five ended. or six. It just ended. Holy It shit. was on for nine seasons, and really was pretty critically acclaimed for a while. Like, I don't know, especially towards the middle of its run people (laughs) Mm, go into itself yeah credits really really dug this show for a little while um for its you know look at middle america These aren't super rich people living what, on a coast in a coastal means? town. Yeah, it's I, it's a middle class family. I swear, I saw the poster in Three Children. I thought it was like centered around the middle child. 
No. I, that's, that's no, what I thought no, it was. No, 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 no. Yeah, uh, Neil Flynn plays the dad who I think is like the manager of a cement factory or something like that. Like some sort of factory or quarry, I believe. Sure. And Patricia Heaton uh, is a dental hygienist. Mm, married to a stone This is what I, like I read. I, again, I've never <laughs> seen an episode, but it kind of makes me want to check it out. I don't know. Um, but sure. yeah. yeah show, uh, I, I liked it. It's sort of, it's, it, Reminds me of another show with middle and name, Malcolm in the Middle. Yes, mm-hmm. which I love. It, yeah, it's it's kind of in that vein mm-hmm. that you know it's it's wacky, but it's got heart. Yeah, the kids are very goofy, apparently. Yeah. And speaking of shows, I did see mm-hmm. Glee. Glee. Glee, which I checked out. Like the first six episodes, I'm like, yeah, yeah. and then I was like. No, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Same. But I would recommend at least digging up the performances from this episode, The Road's oh. Not Taken, because it is featuring <laughs> guest star Christian Chenoweth, who hey. is a delight. And she does a great number. I didn't pull it because it's just her singing and, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. But you should definitely check her out on YouTube, her number, maybe this time from cabaret cabaret and she apparently had never really sung that before and now when she does her solo shows she opens with that song Mm. because it's so she does so such a great job with it and then she comes back again later this season in an episode called home um where she just blows everyone out of the water again that's x-files sorry Mm. um (laughs) <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> uh, Law and Order SVU, uh, the same day. Sugar. Yeah. Eric McCormick. Yep. Guest- oh, you go ahead, Diana. Oh, no, it's uh, just another one of those where I shout out, who's the guest star and did they do it? Uh, Eric McCormick from Will and Grace. He's a guest star. He's a sleazy dating site S- CEO, but he didn't do it. Hmm. <laughs> nope. He's Thank- a red herring. Thank goodness. My poor Will. Can you imagine him in jail? Oh. No. Too soft. Uh, crossing out, easy gay joke, and back to the show. <laughs> Good job. Um, <laughs> proud of you. Uh, on the third, uh, Saturday Night Live, baby. Ryan Reynolds and Lady Gaga. But mm-hmm. last week, somehow I missed uh, Jenny Slate dropping the F-bomb on SNL. I, by the way, Dave and I did a bonus time. Patreon.com slash mm-hmm. time, an exclusive show we do for you guys. Every single week we did an episode about every time someone dropped the F-bomb mm-hmm. on SNL. And we have access to a way where we can find them. Mm. And oh. not necessarily with the fuck intact, but the, sometimes they'll like take that entire thing off the air. They mm-hmm. did it with Martin Lawrence. Like They've never re-aired uh. his sketches where he said, fuck. Well, Jenny Slate was fired eventually. And yeah. she kind of does, has said, you know, this was when she figured, oh, I'm going to get fired. Mm. And this is like mm. one of her first sketches, I think. Yeah. Or maybe I, her first yeah. sketch I think it's ever. Like first I thought it was like yeah. the first. Yeah. Mm. And I love Jenny Slate so much. <laughs> yes. Everything she's in. I love her Instagram. I just love Marcel the Marcel Shell. Marcel the Shell is the shit. I just love her so much. And so she's so <laughs> cute. And I found the clip where she uh, she drops it. So I have your might as well drop it in here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You freaking just threw an ashtray full of butts at my head. You know what? You stood up for yourself, and I fucking love you for that. You're in my heart, babe. You're in my heart. Whoa! Yeah. That is... I have not... I don't, whoa! She, and you can see her face afterwards, or she just closes her mouth, and she's like... I, I can only compare it to seeing Booker T, the wrestler, saying the N-word on W. <laughs> so, oh like the, the look on his face where he's like, oh, he's a black guy. He can say it. Uh, but but it's just... Still. But like he immediately like covers his face and walks away. And, that's, and she like 
the look in her face, like I just yeah, really her eyes fucked get up. Really big. Yeah, she yeah, blows yeah. up her cheeks. Yeah. Oh my god, mm. poor Jenny. Yeah, she's can you hear that little bit in the audience of people going, "Whoa!" Yeah, even the audience yeah. knows she just did a no-no. Uh oh, someone's in <laughs> Jenny trouble. Jenny did a no-no. Lauren's gonna be mad. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Jenny Slate, if you're out there, call me. I want to know what's up with that Looney Tunes movie. If you need any help, I'm your guy. I love her so much. Uh, she's supposed to. Yeah. She was writing the Looney Tunes movie last I heard. So that tracks. Mm-hmm. That's very on brand. Nice. And and moving on to video games of 2000. 2009, September uh, 27th through October 1st, the PSP Go launch is pretty weak, and mm. uh, it, it was a it was a weird time. I think it was the right thing to do, but Sony did a weird thing that most launch systems do. We're like, we're going to charge a sh- more than we should, and hope early adopters and big fans will come to the table for this, and they didn't mm-hmm. because the PSP mm. Go was a. <sighs> UMD-less system, i.e. there's no cartridges. It's just digital mm-hmm. downloads only. Hmm. But the, the system, P, the PSP had been out for years. It's the, it's the worst game cartridge of all time. It's a small <laughs> disc in a plastic case. It's proprietary, costs too much. They're, even among collectors, they're worthless. Mm-hmm. They suck. And they're like, fine, we're getting rid of them. And they, but then like, but the system that I bought all these games on, I can't use on your new system. Like, yeah, we know. Convenience, $300, please. Like, that's more than the original system. What are you doing? Like, early adopters will love it. And they didn't. And, but this should have been the future of non-iPhone gaming. And I think Sony really dropped the ball on it. Mm. And granted, I worked for the company that leaked it. That was a real fun time. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> the games that are out this week. Rockstar and Timbaland present. This is the full title. Beater Raider. Grand Theft Auto, a uh. rhythm-based game with the help of Timbaland. I think they could have gone another round on that name probably <laughs> kick it around a little bit more uh, i feel like that's a first draft <laughs> so this is a game in which you punch a narrator i'm gonna get off yes. work go to the bar take my wife to the beater raider uh, no my bad i made it dark but but it's just a rhythm game just a rhythm game dead space extraction is out on Wii. that is a uh one of the better games of the last generation that they made Wii exclusive that's just a rail shooter a i don't know i'm trying mm-hmm. yeah just a rail shooter kingdom hearts <laughs> 358 slash two days. I don't know how to say the name. Being Even being a giant Kingdom Hearts fan, they have the worst titles of all time. Uh, it's supposed to mean something about uh, Roxas. I forget. This series. I got to do math to know the name of this game. Yeah, yeah. This, this game, by the way, that lets you visit Disney World is one of the most complicated and unapproachable game series I've ever experienced mm. in my entire life. Uh, Motorstorm Arctic Edge. Motorstorm, a uh, former exclusive PlayStation 3 game, a really, really pretty racing game uh, with a Arctic Edge, let's say. Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2, which is the PS3 version of the Xbox-exclusive Ninja Gaiden 2. Gran Turismo PSP is out to help sell that go. And a game I have always wanted to play because it sounds crazy interesting, a super dense JRPG called Wizard of Oz Beyond the Yellow Brick Road. Imagine a Final Fantasy game that's set in the Wizard of Oz world. That's crazy. I, Wait, I, the dogs of society hell? <laughs> I don't know why, but like uh, uh, I, I'm very attached to the Wizard of Oz world and kind of like sure. anything said it's in delightful. it. Yeah. yeah. Except for those fucking wheelers. They scare the shitter to me. You return mm-hmm. to Oz people. Disney, you don't deserve this property. And that is about it for our show, everyone. Uh, stay there because we have a birthday quiz and uh, we're going to tell you who died during this period. But I got to tell you, this show is brought to you by Patreon.com slash LazerTime, where the price of a burger and fries can help support your favorite podcast network, that being the LazerTime Network. Uh, you can hear uh, LazerTime. This show, this week, Sarah was on, where you talk about Behind the Voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, Diana was on to join us in an episode, not making fun of hippies, but talking about 
pop culture making fun of hippies, which is kind of all it's ever done with hippies, except for yeah. Easy Rider. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everything else mercilessly made fun of hippies or beat them to death for comedy's sake. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and if you have not heard the Lost in Space hippie clip, you can only hear it on our show. Don't go looking for it on YouTube. <laughs> so, I dig, man. I dig. <laughs> uh, really good. This week's show is about behind the voice, like the inspiration for some of our favorite cartoon character voices uh, mm-hmm. of all time. And I could play clips of Mike Judge telling where his characters so came great. from all goddamn day. So much fun. Oh, you don't look like the paper boy to me. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and a video game apocalypse. If you want to hear more video game stuff, it, this is a great show where we pick we do a top five every week. Myself, uh, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Alvarez, and Maddie Allen. We uh, do a little magazine style top five based on current criteria or a topic of our choosing, and then we dig into the new releases and news of our day. And bonus time this week, uh, Lizzie Quavis, Lizzie Killian is on, as well as uh, if you're a patron at the five dollar level, you get seven episodes, the third season of uh, Elm Street Nightmare featuring Chucky. Charles Lee Ray, the Child's Play series. I had it's the first time that I'm I had not seen every entry in a series before. I'm going to be learning as I go because I have not seen and they're fucking wonderful. Mm. <laughs> I am really enjoying <laughs> the Child Play series has one of the most interesting trajectories in the history of franchises, let alone horror. Wow. Uh, seriously, it changes tone several times, but keep but like like Marvel Comics never breaks the continuity. Mm. They will change the genre the movie is. But they will not break the canon. Neat. Um, Very, very neat. Uh, Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at ListenAynerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's 302010podcast. Yeah, Um, as we start getting, oh, once we get past October, we got a couple good movies in October here and there, and then we start hitting the big boys. Teasing stuff is going to be just too much fun. I'm going to mm-hmm. see, like, how obscure can I get in my references? Ooh. See who still gets it. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and so with that, we got to know who be dead, who died during this week. Uh, well, uh, during this week in 1989, we lost Ferdinand Marcos, former no. dictator of the Philippines. Fuck you. Oh, not the friendly bull? No. <laughs> no, Ferdinand... Uh, did the Friendly Bull Institute martial law and steal like seven, eight billion dollars from his country? I mean, you're going to get bored into that cork yeah. tree at some point. So maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I read yeah. the first book. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, he was in charge of the Philippines for like 20 years until he finally got rid of him. And his wife uh, is Imelda with the famous shoe collection that they displayed oh, yes. to show everyone. This woman had like 7,000 shoes and you guys are living on two bucks a day. Thank God we've upgraded the leader of the Philippines to someone more fuck stable. Them. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean fuck the Philippines. I mean fuck the Marcoses. Yeah. Uh, well, on a happier note, who was born during this week? Ba 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 birthday! Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, we have someone born during this episode, y'all. No, but. someone turning turning thirty. Ooh, so 89. All right. Okay. Yep. Born October 1st, 1989 in Sacramento. Uh, her father is Quebecois, and she spoke French at home growing up. Lady Bird. No. That's, <laughs> that's, Sir Sharona? Yeah, that's a fictional character. Sorry. Keep going. Yep. <laughs> but I liked how you combined it with King of the Hill. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, I'll never think about Sacramento and not think about me Lady too. Bird. Me too. I, uh, well, she started acting at age of six. The American Conservatory Theater here in San Francisco took her on as the youngest student ever admitted. 
She auditioned and got in at six. Uh, she went into music, although, because she was having trouble getting work in acting, and her 2004 single, she said, was on TRL and hit 31 on the Hot Singles charts. Brie Larson. It is Brie wow. Larson. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. when, like, Brie Larson, I, I was introduced to a community and then loved like, everything she did, and like she had a song on TRL? Yes, this is hilarious. that's right. Uh, yep. Yeah, the single did well, but the, the album, finally out of P.E., sold about 13,000 copies. Uh, also, she tried to get the, the – she almost got the main roles in 13 and Juno and didn't get them, so she supported wow. herself by DJing. <laughs> wow. Wow, and I just enjoyed her reaction in uh, Between Two Ferns. Oh, my God. One of the better We're questions. So uh, I, I know you don't that. like personal questions, so uh, when did you get your first period? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, and we've just, I mean, we've barely talked about anything she's been on except United States of Terra, which we yeah. mentioned, but like I've never really got into. No, I, that I don't. Was kind of a big break. Yeah, I don't remember her seeing her in a movie until the 2010 because, like, our discussion yeah. on community has created a discussion in the Laser Time Facebook community, which I mm-hmm. encourage you to join if you want to get get out of uh, any particular cesspool on social media. The Laser Time community is mwah, beautiful people all the time. And they're talking about community, and I, I forgot that I, I think I was introduced to Brie Larson through there. And like, the, But it's like the third season. It's like three years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I cannot yep. believe she's that much younger than me. Man, I've gotten yep. old. 30. Turning 30. All right. And that about wraps up our show. Again, patreon.com slash lasertime. Uh, the show is made possible by people like you as well as everything on the Laser Time Network. We can't, uh, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you, and we want to keep, uh, keep you rocking in the free world. And that's why we're closing out with Neil Young off of the uh, – I, I have never not loved this song. This song is astonishing. It's, it's, it's great. great. song is awesome. It's really. It, and it's, wait, isn't there a Michael Moore movie that closes with this? I feel yes, like there is. Yes, there is. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's is it Bowling for Columbine? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That or Fair Night Nine Eleven. It's one of those. Yep. And I, it, it has a great. Because it's so <laughs> fucking good. And they use it to a wonderful degree in The Big Short. Oh yeah. <laughs> and oh, all yes. the Wall Street people went to jail. And all, <laughs> <laughs> while this song plays, because it's like it already is like a banger, mm-hmm. and then you listen to the lyrics and like I fucking miss angry protest songs. Mm-hmm. Where you at? Yeah. God damn it! Get on the radio I'm again. I'm feeling they're coming. <laughs> I, it's been. <laughs> Three fucking years! Where you at? Where you at, goddammit? Want to make MTV relevant again? Uh, more protest songs, goddammit. Uh, more Neil Young rock in the free world, but by younger people. Uh, how about that? And Non-Canadians, maybe. Non-Canadians. Actual Americans. Uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that about wraps up our show. We love you. Come back next week. We have a lot more in store for you. We